eating oatmeal Nazis. Hey everybody, welcome to the Soxcast, episode 26. I am your devilishly awesome, like, I'm I'm just your host. That's all I am. There are no adjectives um, that adequately um, talk about me. There are, they haven't been invented in the English language, I guess. Uh, and to my immediate virtual right, he's just a data point. It's Rhett. Hi. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> doing good. Doing good? Um, Rhett, we got some unfinished business. Oh, boy. The, uh, the last episode, uh, we, we ended a bit, a bit hastily. Um, and oh, no. one of our dear listeners, um, I, do, I do believe you know Chelsea. Uh-huh. Yeah, she is a very good friend uh, to all of us. Um, she had asked a question, and we didn't actually get around to answering it. And I think we're gonna. Oh, really? Yeah, we're really? gonna. We're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and get you to stand trial for this right now. Okay. All right. So Chelsea's question was: <laughs> When Rhett puts his reticles in John, do they get wet? What? When... Did you even make this worse than it was? How would I do that, Rhett? How could I have... when they get wet before. It, isn't that what I said? No, it's not. Read it again. When, when, when Rhett puts his reticles in John, do they get wet? It's, well, she was like, the John. <laughs> what other oh, John is? What oh. other John is there? She means the toilet. It's an expression. No, 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 no. It's funny. No, I... It's funnier my way. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing, Ryder? You ready to podcast? Sure. Okay. Appropriate level of enthusiasm. <laughs> and to my immediate virtual left. <clears throat> One, two, three, four. Johnny, Johnny, fire, can't you see? Sometimes your taste just nauseates me, and I can't stand your saga games. <laughs> That's the kind of game that no one plays. Hit me. Hi, hi, hi. Hi. How you it's doing? It's John. How you doing, John? Tried to keep the rhythm there for a second. I'm doing well. Doing well? Yes. Living well? Living well. I have tea. Smoke good, eat good, live good. I went and got pizza today. It was great. Are you going to have butt problems, like, in the middle of the podcast? Oh, it's already over. Oh, you've already, like, demolished your butt. Yes. And, uh... It got... So when Rhett puts his reticles in you, do they get wet? With blood? Ew. Oh! I don't why know. did you Why did you turn this into something it wasn't? You gross this motherfucker! This podcast, and now it's just fucking filthy. I don't it's just, know. It's like, welcome to Body Horror Hour with John Fire. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Is that a feature? Uh, no. Oh. No. No. I'm not signing off on that. And I don't think Red is either. Oh. Uh, so, hey, guess what? We got no guests in the studio this time around. How about that? It's just the three amigas. A three amigas, because we're computers. How about that? Uh, yes. And I'm like, you should, like, I wish I had been recording. Um, before we started uh, the podcast here, because then, like, you could have heard Rhett say, yeah, finally, no more losers on this damn thing. And I was... <laughs> but then I was like, Rhett, we still got John. Oh. Boom! That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... John, how, how how you been doing? What you been doing? Let's just get, let's get this thing going before it derails into something even more horrible than... Rhett's reticles being stained with Rhett's blood. 
Okay. John, John's blood. John's blood. John's blood. Pardon <laughs> me. All right. I'm not well, one to get my body week, horror wrong. Last week, because I had so many games I wanted to talk about, like very important games like Saga 3 and Kirby's Dreamland 2, mm-hmm. um, I kind of forgot to talk about my big, my cool Chicago trip, mm-hmm. which had some kind of neat things happen. Oh. Is sharding involved? Tangentially. Um, oh. All right. All right. There's just two main. There's just two main things and then one quick other thing. Um, we actually stopped in Kentucky on the way up there, and my dad and I went into Mammoth Cave. Any, any of y'all familiar with Mammoth Cave? Do I look like an outside person? No, me neither. And dad went ahead and signed us up for the most physically strenuous tour they had. Mm. Um, it was So we're definitely six- talking, like, out of Rhett's territory here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lots of cave. So, <laughs> it's at, like those things in Metroid. Oh, oh, they have those in the real world. Yeah, I know. That's not as fun, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they advertise this tour as extremely physically strenuous, over six hours long. Oh, my God. Um, I'd die. Be sure you have to wear boots with treads that um, lace up past your ankles. If you don't, we will not allow you to go. And then, like, out of the 20 people or so that showed up for the tour, one person didn't have good boots, so they kicked them out. And I was like... And that person sharded themselves. Um, Not to my knowledge. So, I was like... So, obviously, they're just full of it, right? Like, obviously... Well, no, if they sharded, then they wouldn't be anymore. (laughs) So, my dad and I went underground. And, um... We... So my dad's big. He's and he's over sixty, um, and just like big shoulders, everything. Um, and there's a bunch of these little tiny tunnels we squeeze through, mm-hmm. including one um, that was about mm, ten inches tall, nine inches tall. That he squeezed through near the beginning of the tunnel, and I he kind of pulled on my leg to so that I could help. He could get out, and. Uh-huh. There was a quick lunch break in the middle with an exit nearby, so pe- some people just left. <laughs> um, two hours in. Checking that out. We're done. Knowing that there were four hours to go. Um, so we didn't do that. We didn't do that. We um, did the rest of the tour. Um, near the beginning, there was a um, crawl where you had to crawl kind of on this rocky, jagged floor for about a football field, you know? Oh, lovely. And, you know, that's, that's intense. It was like 200, 300 feet. Um, and that sucked, man. Did you have to curl into a ball to roll under any small passages? Oh, my <laughs> God. I spent the whole time wishing I could turn into a ball and roll everywhere. <laughs> oh. Um, I spent so much time under there thinking about video games. Because caves are so, like, ingrained in video games, right? Right. Yeah. Like, the ver- one of the very first video games was a text adventure adaptation of Mammoth Cave. Adventure. Oh. It's literally based on oh. the real Mammoth Cave that I was in. It was hmm. one of the first video games. Maybe the first text adventure. Did um, you see the dragons? No, there were no dragons or trolls. They add, oh. Those were authorial interjections. Um, so then, after the break, after our last chance to really leave um, for the rest of the trip or go to the bathroom, um, they had a place called... Uh, Sharon's Lost River. Mm. Um, not, you know, slightly ominous. 
Um, I thought it was based on, like, the Greek guy who, like, ferries the souls across the river to the underworld. But it was actually just that there's some guy who really, really didn't like his ex-girlfriend, and her name was Sharon. Oh, that's... <laughs> I'm, de- really? I'm dead serious. That's what the tour guide told, told us. That's really unfortunate. So, it was a quarter mile long. It was a crawl. And it we it was filled with water. Hmm. Not filled with water. This wasn't like Metal Gear Solid or anything. <laughs> You're losing would... me. You're losing me. At least I would have been shorter. It's not like Metal Gear Solid. You're losing me. It was a lot more like Metal Gear Solid than most experiences. Did you meet so... your evil twin? No. <sighs> I met you... my cave doppelganger, but he shirked off into the shadows after I gave him a good glare. So, Ooh, um, But yeah, quarter mile soaking wet took 45 minutes. Oh, man. On our hands and knees. We got knee pads and full body suits, but, you know, it still fucking hurts. We all had, my dad and I both had scabs all over our elbows and knees and hands and body. um, Bopping our heads up against the thing. It's weird because there would be like, it was this big, it was this little tunnel. And then there would be like a platform in the middle of it that had a two foot wide hole running down the center of it. And under that would be water. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't really fit down through the hole, so you had to crawl like on top of this thing with the big hole in the middle, or dip down, and then sometimes dip down into the water, whereas that would go away. And then there was a long crawl. This is the most taxing part of it, for emotionally, not physically, but um, it was a long crawl, and it got again down to like eight or nine inches tall. Mm. And they said, "All right, everyone here can get through it. Everyone here can get through it." And my dad couldn't get through it. Oh no! Uh, he's been uh, caving. He's been caving his whole life too. He's familiar with this shit much more than I am. Mm-hmm. He's taken me a couple times too, so I wasn't. I knew what, kind of what I was getting into. Um, and I was obviously in good spirits and good cheer the whole time. Um, but he got stuck oh. and told the guys up ahead. Um, this wasn't like a tunnel like the other one was because. He, you had plenty of space horizontally. It's just that it was very, very thick. The height, there was no height. Right. Um, so I like was crawling through with my helmet turned, head turned to the side and I couldn't move it in any other direction. Um, and then dad just got, couldn't move through it. He shoved himself forward, exhaled, tried to shove himself forward, forward, shoved all the air out and then couldn't get through it. He said to bring the guy through, bring the tell the guide he's stuck told the guide, um, hey, I'm not claustrophobic. I'm not panicking. Um, I've done caving before, I, and I just know for a fact I physically cannot make it through this. Right. Ugh. And the guide told me, you go on ahead. <gasps> and I was, I told I said, no. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to leave my dad. And he was like, you need to go on ahead, sir. And... <laughs> Like, I just looked like at an dad. Anime. I, I went to dad. I looked at dad. And I was like, is, "Is it okay, dad?" And he said, "Dad said, no, not really, but you better do what he says." <laughs> oh my god! So I go on ahead, lie, I get to a slightly more open spot, and just kind of lie down, emotionally drained. Like <laughs> this is four hours into the tour. Oh I think he's gonna god. have to go back through Sharon's Lost River, or whatever else to get out of this cave. And I shimmy my way through the rest of this tunnel. Um, there's a big open area. I'm sitting kind of se- – all the group is sitting down. I'm sitting kind of separate from everybody. 
um, feeling like crying. I'm worried about my dad. Oh. And then about five minutes later from another part of the cave, he just starts, he comes walking forward with the other guide because they had a walking cave that you could, that to go around that area. Oh, wait. <laughs> anyone else, they didn't tell us about it. They, they said, fuck it and broke the illusion though. Yeah. Exactly. For my dad, they broke the illusion, but not until everyone else was away from him and not until they were sure he couldn't make it through. Right. And then we went out through the rest of the cave. We had to, like, vertically climb up a wall, like, um, in Emperor's New Groove. But with oh, one- God. Um, and then we finally got out and went home. And Anna was at the hotel and was very glad that she did not come with us <laughs> or for the next week. Sore for the whole Chicago trip. Oh. It was really funny. It's really good. Yep. And got a lot of got a lot of video game ideas under there because you had oh, to think geez. about something. Had to think about something. Claustrophobia. The game. I'm not yeah, I'm definitely not claustrophobic at all, which is nice. Push I, push the bigger circle through the small <laughs> tube. <laughs> You found- play a six-pixel-tall man. He must go through a tunnel that is five pixels tall. <laughs> I'm scared already. Um, it's a new genre of horror. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pixel mutilation. Oh, God. I've played a few of those. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, that was that was the most physically strenuous thing either of us had ever done. Um, and... It was fun. That's really cool. Anna Anna kept, okay, not really fun. Um, Anna, we kept going, <laughs> when we got back, we were like, but it was a good experience. But it was a good experience. We'd tell, like, this extended horror story, and then, but it was a good experience. It's a good experience. It's, it's good. It's good. Oh, oh, yeah. While choking back the tears. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely not claustrophobic. There was a couple times in the tunnel when I was just tired, so I kind of laid back, and I was like, this is kind of cozy. It's like a giant comforter. It's like made. I'm being swaddled by the earth. It's a 300-foot comforter made out of jagged rocks. <laughs> there you go. There's a coziness to that. Did you play um, Lullaby for a Heart Six Spacer? Yes. There you go. <clears throat> Caves can be nice. Just finding a nice little space for you. Yeah. Lullaby. Mm. Lullaby. Except I had, there was like two 14-year-old Boy Scouts on the trip with me. And um, they kept complaining about each other farting. (laughs) (laughs) Now this story has a payoff. Just the whole trip. You you don't fart. Don't don't (laughs) fart. Jesus Christ. And then the adult behind them. You cannot fart. Oh my God. Oh my God. God. (laughs) And I'm just in front of them. Naturally, I'm farting the whole time. And I'm just sitting there thinking, is that really the most pressing concern on this trip? I think if you're in a tiny claustrophobic tunnel, it sure as hell is. Really? Really? Out of the, in the, the Sharon's the Lost ultimate, River? The, the ultimate Dutch minute. oven. It's the ultimate Dutch <laughs> oven. It's just a little butt air. It won't hurt you. Yeah. I The jagged rocks in the water are... Because we, it was two hours in when we went through the water. So for the rest of the four hours, we're all completely wet. Uh, but yeah, that was my cave story. Oh, Wow. I think I kind of like the game cave story uh, a little better. And it's not very realistic. It's 
Yeah, it's not, but... You have a jetpack. But when I play it, I don't get scabs and nobody farts on me. That's true. Well, I wasn't getting farted on. Um, but you were farting on people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and one of them was like, told. I was like going through this thing going, fuck, 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 Jesus, fuck, I hate everything. <laughs> and um, like the kid behind me is like, is it really necessary to swear? Oh. <laughs> fuck yes, it is. <laughs> And I just kind of give him this death glare. <laughs> um, but I was in good spirits. But it was a good experience. <laughs> it's the secret of mana of for activity. Five hours in, and my dad looks at me and goes, John, maybe I don't need to be caving anymore. <laughs> maybe, maybe I shouldn't have picked the fuck you course. Maybe I should have picked the, hey, buddy, why don't you go take a flying leap course? And then, like, half hour to go, and he was like, John, I was thinking about, you know, climbing Mount Fuji at some point in my life. I think that's off the table. (laughs) Don't think I can do that. Don't think I'm done with caving. Think I'm done with the mountains. Oh, let's all go to Japan. Yeah, we could all just go to Japan, and your dad can climb Mount... Let's all go to Japan and take the nice little mountain... um, like hanger up to the top of the mountain. There you go. <laughs> Maybe rent a bike and bike ride down. Nah, that's still too much for me. That just be like, you know what? I'll ride the lift back down. It'll be yes, fine. Exactly. I'll bring my Talk- DS. I'll bring my DS with me. Me and mm-hmm. Rhett can play like Monster Hunter together or something. Oh, yeah, the, to, for the true Japanese experience. Yeah, you've got to get the true <laughs> Japanese experience. So that was my. Ca- that was yeah. That was the cave. It was a trial. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's a test of the I human back spirit. On the Secret of Mana. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I also when we got to Chicago, um, a couple nice things like Anna. On the night we got there, my dad went to see a Winston Churchill monologue. Oh, where a guy dressed up in costume and pretended to be Winston Churchill, and my dad was enthralled, and he talked for two hours. Oh, good. Um, it's it's hard to realize how much of a my dad thing that is. That, yeah. He has a shelf in his office that's all books about Winston Churchill. <laughs> I think he named me after one of Winston Churchill's like dad or grandparents or something. <laughs> he is a Winston Churchill fanboy. John Winston Thayer. <laughs> so... Um, he saw that, and then I went to an improv comedy club just the night we got there, which was really fun. Um, we saw went to a big art museum. We met um, Omar Elisar. Elisar, I really hope I pronounced that okay. Um, oh. Who's a super cool dude. I, I know him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And um, we went, hung out for like four hours. We went to a Thai restaurant and hung out in the park, just me, him, and Anna. And chatted about video games and other stuff and Chicago, and it was a blast. Cool. Yeah. How much crime did you get involved with? How much crime did I get involved with? Do we get involved in any crime in Chicago, Anna? I don't believe so. Okay. I think I think we were pretty on the level. Story's kind of losing me again. Oh, sorry. Well, I also got really drunk. Uh-oh. <laughs> the first time in my life. Oh, no. Um, it was like 3.30, 
and we got at this bar, and my dad's family is starting to arrive there. We don't really know my dad's family too well. We know my mom's family really well, mm-hmm. and they're, they would also probably do something similar. But the f- first one there is like we were talking about the Big Lebowski somehow, and I mentioned and they bring out the White Russians, and I was like, "Yeah, that sounds like a tasty drink. I really like Kahlua." And then she says, "Here's a bartender. Get this man a White Russian." Uh oh. And I drink it, and it's like. You know, this is okay, but it's not quite what I built it up to be in my brain, you know? You might have overhyped it a bit, but exactly. I think White Russians are fantastic. I enjoyed it, yeah. And it was good. It was the vodka and the Kahlua and the cream. Mm. So then uh, the bartender said, you know, that's pretty good. Here's how I make mine. Uh-oh. And it was in this little shot glass, and it was the same thing, but instead of cream, it was Bailey's Cream Liqueur. Oh. And it was the most delicious goddamn thing I'd ever had in my life. Right? Wow. Oh, my God. That sounds fantastic. It's so good. So it's a white Russian, but instead of cream, it's more alcohol. Yes. Um, and it was so good. It's That was what I kind of thought the white Russian would be like in my brain. Mm. It was just go. It was so. I, I got to learn what it goes down so smooth means. <laughs> um. So I drank two of the two more of those uh, after the original White Russian. Uh oh. Um, and no, 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 I drank one more. I ordered a second one, and um, I'd already fa- passed out. <laughs> the whole family had arrived, and we're doing like a toast or something. And everyone's having is having a fun time, and everyone is drinking. Dad's trying to pay like twenty year old the twenty five year olds to like drink a pint of half gallon of beer or something. <laughs> Like, I'll, I bet you, blah, 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 um, in two minutes, and, and I order a second one. This is, so I had the white Russian, the white Russian with Bailey's, the one shot glass with the white Russian, and, with Bailey's, and now I've got a second one, and we do a toast, and I just drop it on the table. <laughs> <laughs> it crashes everywhere. You've had enough. Um, <laughs> People are laughing. Dad laughs. John, it's okay. It's okay. And I'm like, I just feel like an idiot. <laughs> everyone else is. Everyone else is obviously fine. It's a very safe and nice environment. Right. I pat it down with. They pat, helped me pat it down with napkins. Um, and I order another one because uh, <laughs> I dropped that one. I wasn't going to be able to drink it. <laughs> obviously. Uh, so we finish up our meal around five, and I wa- we walk with them to another bar. Um, I, I kind of stumble, and as they're kind of helping me along, um, the waiter before the second one asked, "Are you going to be okay with this one, sir?" I was like, "Yeah, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be fine." <laughs> <laughs> no, I like tried to be really serious. Like, uh, <clears throat> oh god, like, that uh, that that really oh, no. super focused serious face people try to put on when they're really drunk or high i know the feeling yeah. yes <laughs> because you're exactly. over focused yes it's like um yeah don't worry i'll be fine just completely focused like okay i'm okay i'm okay um because i because i never really felt much effect of the alcohol before when i when i did i would be like this isn't very i i could kind of like feel like I'm under control, and then Anta would tell me that I wasn't later, but mm-hmm. I don't believe her. Um, you were that was, that yeah, was, John, uh, stumbling into the road, um, that's kind of not in control. 
Okay. No, no, I didn't feel in control then. That time, I, with, what I'm saying is that that was new. I was like, oh, shit, no, I can't actually walk straight here. Um, and then we get to this other bar, and I like, they have grass on the ceiling, on the, on the roof, where we all are. Did you smoke it up? No, I, it was just regular grass, like long oh. grass. I lay down and just, like, lay down, close my eyes. And it was lovely. The world is spinning. I'm in the inverted castle. <laughs> There's grass on the ceiling. Perfect. <laughs> That'd be an almost a perfect segu. <laughs> so I got to experience that, and I'm going to be able to know what alcohol I want to ask Dad for on my birthday. Uh, <laughs> so we can have it in the house and consume it in the safe yes. environment. In moderation. In moderation. Oh, God, it was so good, though. Yes. That's, that's all you need to get people interested in alcohol is just to make it tasty. Mm-hmm. They should just do that. All alcohol uh, should just be, like, really good. I know. I'm, it's a shame that I, I'm sure, like, like I've never I've, I've never figured out beer. Um, I'm not a fan. Never. And now been. I can't drink it. So it's like, okay, I guess I'll just nothing lost. You're not <laughs> missing much unless you like, you know, drinking motor oil. Mm-hmm. Or pee. Or pee. Um, and so I'm just not going to bother. I can't bother with beer because it's not, I can't drink it. It has weed in it. And somebody's like, well, you know, they have gluten-free beer every time. Every time I say that, they get like really defensive. They have gluten-free beer, you know? And I'm like, oh yes, that's what I want. I want to drink the worst shitty beer (laughs) that has the bread taken out of it. That sounds fantastic. So... And so I'm just going to stick with wine and this, these wonderful new drinks I know about. You've made a wise decision. Cool. And I also played some video games. Hooray! Finally, video the, good, the, good, the good part of that podcast. Woo! We're bringing them back. Don't worry, folks. We're reeling you back in. We know <laughs> you lo- we lost you there, but we're reeling you back. Don't mm-hmm. worry. Don't worry. So, like, two weeks ago, I got some kind of shitty family news. Yeah. I have been coping... I figured out what being sad is like, and I figured out how I cope with being sad. I play Castlevania for two straight weeks and don't do or think about anything else. If your Twitter is any indication of this, I want to do like a word count on your Twitter (laughs) feed of how many times you've said Castlevania in the last two weeks. Many. Um, I'm going to count that later. Because it's not just like it's not just playing it. Obviously, it's whenever I'm not playing it, I'm thinking about it. Um, so I finished up school the the first week and after sad, and that was awful. Just like having to deal with finishing up school in addition to everything. Yeah. Uh, but Castlevania that night, I came home and booted up the Castlevania Adventure, oh. and that game was there for me in a tough time. Oh. That game, that beautiful little amazing shitty game um was there for me in a tough time and um you know what i I can relate to shitty game in a tough time Mm. because i played uh uh persona 3 the answer uh when my mom (laughs) died so oh yeah i remember yeah i remember reading about um that and your reaction to that story yeah yeah so hey i can see that i can see how you know and it's it's unlike the time when there was like a school shooting at fsu and i came home and all I needed was, like, some distraction. And I loaded up Sonic Adventure 2, and it was a fucking Knuckles level. Oh, boy. So, Castlevania Adventure was there for me. Sonic wasn't. 
Sonic just, pooped on your face. Sonic pooped on my face. Um, There's and then I went boat. on to then I went on to Castlevania Adventure Two, which obviously refined it a lot. Um, that's a pretty fucking solid game, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just top to bottom, I think that game's really good. It captures a lot of what's special about the first game, and um, because it this you can um, go on go to the stages in any order. Um, it may, maybe loses kind of some of the momentum of the first game. Yeah, yeah. Which just chugs along, but it, the the th- last three stages are still all in one order. Nice so it kind of line, so, so it, it still has a climax. Yeah. Um, and that fight with um the Belmont near the end of it is really cool. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. Yes. Oh, it's so hard. It's that, um, that bullshitty kind of Nintendo hard. Yeah. Well, Dracula fight was more bullshitty. It wasn't as hard. Um, you just had to memorize where to stand yeah. for whenever he mates this attack. The Belmont fight was more like a really hard Dark Souls fight where you have to really actually figure out how to react to his movements. Yeah. Um, and then I went back and played both those games in a row again just to kind of complete it. Reassure yourself. And I went back to... The, yeah, going back to the first one, this wasn't sh- actually shitty, right? And I was like... Mm. It still has a lot going for it. It has charm, it's, but it's not great. So it's, it, honest, honestly, the only thing about it that really bugs me, like the speed doesn't. Well, it feels like it's kind of like it's lagging slightly. It's not just that it's slow; it's that it feels like it's, it's in a perpetual kinda, state of lagging. Yeah, it feels like it's it's like barely held together with duct tape. <laughs> it's like contraforce. It's just like anything uh, on screen in that game slows to like immediately drops speed by like eighty percent. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, not variable. It's not as variable in Castlevania Adventure. It's just as like um, the actual speed of the game is fine. It's just that it feels um, like it's kind of barely holding itself together, whereas Castlevania Adventure Two feels just pretty solid. Right and smooth. Yeah, it's it's kind of like if I were to give it an an analog a bit, I would say it's the Adventure Island Two. <laughs> yeah, like, a really good game. Like they really got they nailed it with the second one. Like I think that yeah. Adventure and Island then Adventure one, Island One is <laughs> it's 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 got the 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 foundation, mm-hmm. kind of like uh, Castlevania the Adventure does, but Two really takes that formula and just goes off the ramp with it. Yeah, exactly. And I really like the stage three of Castlevania Adventure. It's this just really tense set piece with um, walls chasing you and crushing down on you, and I I love the hell out of that. There's a dick move near the end where they make there is you a dick go move. a complete opposite direction. Yeah, you have to run straight towards the wall. It's yeah. awful. It's terrible. Ugh. Um, but it's that, I played the shit out of those games when I was like when yeah. I regularly oh, played yeah. my game. When I regularly played my Game Boy, though, I just like when Konami put something out in the Game Boy, I instantly wanted it. Play the shit out of it. They'd proven themselves. They were really good with that hardware, uh, and they were pretty solid just across the board with it. Mm-hmm. They did um, the Gradius games. I, I really love the second Gradius game, and I really love Operation C. Uh huh. The TMNT uh-huh. games are good. Cool. I didn't know that. I just want to play the hell out of Game Boy games. So <laughs> um, I'm playing Kid Dracula now, and that game's cool too i I probably won't the nes version is better gotcha um i'll fit i'll finish it up and then see what it's basically the same game but like the nes version has more stages and more color and just better music better everything that's cool so i think you're doing yourself a disservice by playing the game boy version well i'll probably play both like i feel like playing every castlevania game at this point basically at least like no no not every castlevania game the ones that look cool and interesting to me yeah 
Um, so fuck like the Lords of Shadow shit, whatever. Um, so yeah, I'll, I like I, that. Yeah, I like how when you did that list of Castlevania games you want to play, the N sixty four one still made it on. Yeah, but those then games have a, those games have a weird following. Like I know people that actually g- legitimately like those games. Yeah, I mean they're only like three hours long. Yeah, and they're weird and broken. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to be good. No. I think they might be kind of like interesting failures. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just thought it was interesting to see those on the list of approved games, but Lords of Shadow wasn't. Yeah. I mean, arguably the first Lords of Shadow isn't really that bad. I believe you. It's just, it looks like such a triple A ascension. Oh, it is. It is. It absolutely is. Like, if you want to play, like, God of War, but in Castlevania, you know, just go ahead and play Lords of Shadow. Yeah. But if that's not your cup of tea, that's not something you're into, you're not missing much. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't... It just has, it just has a, it just has a fuck nutty story, really. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just really funny to watch all come together. Unlike, unlike the rest of the Castlevania games that are just really solid, beautiful stories. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, the, the one thing really that bugs me with Castlevania Adventure is a lot of the pixel perfect jumping. Oh Um, god, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's really the only thing that really holds it back for me, because it's just kind of a senseless execution barrier. It kind of picks up, like, like, I think that that... Like those games really pick that up from uh, Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse because when you get to the end of that game, it's maddening the the, the <laughs> pixel perfect things that that game asks you. Yeah, I I really I Dracula uh, Castlevania Three wasn't one of the ones I replayed. Um, I played the hell out of that game back on the Virtual Console. Absolutely, um, great game. Yeah, I think it's really cool. It just mm, I don't know. I'll probably go back to it at some point just to kind of solidify my feelings on it. I feel like I like the first one a lot more at this point. I think that it, it, it's a more concise experience than yeah. uh, Castle... Because Castlevania 3 is like 10 stages long and each stage is like anywhere and, from 20 to 40 screens long. Yeah, they, like the, like, and there's that one awful stage on Drac- and Alucard's level that goes on for like 20 minutes. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 So obviously that one colors my experience a bit too, but um, right now, I'm in a place where I'm valuing concision over sprawl. I like that. Um, yeah. Which is probably why I was going for the Game Boy version of, of um, Kid Dracula. Just It's sort of like Operation C versus Super C, where there, you got that just smaller vision, smaller and having to squeeze more into less space. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if... if if I needed a a reason, uh, a reason, <laughs> I need a reason. <laughs> if I needed like something to point to when I tell people, you know, that Castlevania: The Adventure isn't that bad. There's a lot of really sharp ideas here, and it's pretty fair. And there's not that much bullshit in it, actually. Yeah. Um, if I needed a way to point that out to people, now I can point them at Castlevania Legends, which I played next. Hmm. Did any of y'all play that game? I don't think I played Legends, no. I think I watched Fresno do a Let's Play on it, though. Yeah. Fuck that I, game. That game wasn't very good. It, it, it did not look fun in the least. It looked just, mm-hmm. like, so uninspired and milk toast. What mm-hmm. platform is it on? Game, game Boy, Boy. Color. 1997, oh. Game Boy. Oh, there's a third one. I didn't know that. Yeah, there yeah. is. Um, it plays like Walmart brand Castlevania, I think. I said. <laughs> Kroger <laughs> brand. Yeah. It has a really neat story because um, it, you, it's the very first Belmont. Yeah. 
And it's a lady named Sonia Belmont, mm-hmm. and she winds up having, like, Trevor or something with Alucard. Yeah. So it means that all of the Belmonts have a bit of Dracula's yeah, blood in them. Yeah, they all descended. Mm-hmm. Which kind of makes sense, you know, if you're going to be yeah. the legendary vampire killer, you might as well have some vampire in you. Yeah, it, yeah there's this weird, like, like stuff like Simon's... <laughs> I just realized how that could be taken. I took it that Just way. like she took it, am I right? Uh, we're talking about. Oh, I get it. We're talking about a vampire put 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 putting his his, having his, s- his wiener in in her in her no no spot. <laughs> her no no okay, spot. Okay. Like... <laughs> All okay. the slow, slow listeners around here will be be good now. Thanks. And and it's just cool because like the very first Belmont was just this lady named Sonia with a whip, and she was like, you know what. I'm not gonna. We don't have to take this anymore. I'm gonna go kill Dracula. She was the original He's a twisted. Si- she was the original twisted sister. I don't get that reference, but she's I not gonna it's... take it. No, she's not gonna take oh, it. Okay, yeah. well, that's all. that's dumb music I humor know. for our dumb music podcast. So <laughs> that's cool because it's like kind of personal and neat start to this legend. Naturally, Ikarashi made it non-canon because a woman warrior in that time period was unrealistic. Yeah. And women are gross. Yeah, yeah it's true. You don't, don't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, fuck whatever Igarashi thinks is the canon. Yeah. Um, so Castlevania Legends has a great story for a Game Boy Castlevania game, and then just shitty non-action. I couldn't figure out how to dodge a bunch of the enemies. They just kind of, like... Yeah, you've got it's to just tank kind of, a lot of damage yeah. in that game. I remember Fresno yeah. having that very same problem uh, in his Let's Play, where it's just like it seemed to be he was just tanking damage to get through some certain parts. Yeah, they just give you a bunch of these, like they give you power ups that let you like heal yourself. Yeah, and just it, blow up everything the lazy, on the screen. There you go. And then you just have to abuse it. it yeah, it's just lazy design. Yeah, they give they made this, these broken levels and then gave you like this these bullshit tools to get around their broken levels. It reminds me of, like, Duke Nukem Forever, where, like, they didn't bother balancing the difficulty. They just, like, when, um, when, um, Gearbox was working on it, they was just like, eh, just give him recharging health. Yeah. So, it's just this, and it's, like, twice as long as the other ones. Yeah, yeah. It's just bullshit. Don't, you don't need to worry about that one. No. Um, so then I went on to, don't worry, this is, like, basically the last (laughs) one. Um, then I went on to Castlevania Two: Simon's Quest. A real that, banger there. A real banger. It's a it's a classic in the Nintendo Power days. Let me tell you. It's on the I cover, that, number yeah, two. Yeah, it's a gory little cover too. I thought that game was fucking amazing. Um, of course you did. Yeah, it's did. a it's such a John game. Like even with even though I played Castlevania Two: Simon's Quest Redacted, I still thought that game was pretty garbage. I think I, I wish I hadn't played it with the redacted version. I think the lies and obtuseness would have suited it better. It's not uh, just lies and obtuseness, no. It's just like terrible, freaking like translations that make zero sense at all. It's yeah. not. It's not just like oh, these people are lying. It's like no, this shit is translated badly. Okay, yeah, but so <laughs> there, there's actually a patch online that's tries to bring it more in line with the Japanese version. So instead of the redacted thing, which is just like original scripting. Yeah. Um by a guy who watched the ABGN episode. And Yeah, basically. Which in retrospect I feel kind of stupid that I even bothered with it. Um 
So I, I, I really love just everything about how that game presents itself. Um, I like its ambition, but I think, I think the execution is just really bad and boring. I don't know. I'm gonna, probably going to play it a couple times, but I think that might have been like my favorite of the bunch that I played for the first time in the last two weeks. Because it, it's like Dark Souls. <laughs> they give you this big open world and you just poke around it. And there's no world map even. It's all just this continuous linear, continuous world to look around. Um, like I said, I like the ambition, but I don't I think just it was love executed. This. I, love, I think the castles are really interesting. I love poking around for secrets. But there's um, not really a lot of secrets to be had. Yeah, there's tons of... Well, you just have to... The secrets are, like, how you get through the area. Like, you'll have to find a wall you can jump through um, in order to yeah. get get to the end <laughs> of each level. Or, you know, hey, check it out. There are blocks that look like they're there, and they're not. That's super cool. Yeah. I'm, so I'm being facetious. I'm That's not walking. really cool. <laughs> yes, it is. It's all, like, just obfuscated and obtuse. Um, it's this big, messy world to poke at. Um, and it's just creepy as hell. Um, the whole story itself is just really unnerving because you're not even like going to fight Dracula. You are on a time limit as you're dying. You're trying to resurrect Dracula. To break the curse. To break the curse on you. Yeah. And I failed. I didn't do it in time. Yeah, you've got to do it in like, I think, is it less than a week or three days? It probably isn't three days. That sounds, whew. Um, but man, I just had a really I mean there's a couple of the things where I poked uh, looked at a guide for like the kneeling at a lake and um I I knew about kneeling at the cliff obviously yeah that's Um, one of the more known kind of things these days but But, like how would you ever figure that out without with the original translation I don't know but it says says to hit your head at the base of a mountain Jesus (laughs) but like there's a bunch of bullshit in these old games. Sometimes it's that they're obtuse. Sometimes it's that they're hard and really obnoxious ways. Like Castlevania 3 has a ton of bullshit. Um, it's just a different kind of bullshit. And you can get past them using guides. You can get past them by like practicing them with save states. Um, our type is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> so Castle- I guess with Castlevania 2, it's very easy for me to get around those couple of stupid moments... Um, so the rest of it just was, and the rest of it was so magical to me that it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, oof, God, just that it's a, it's a nest game where like the last town is empty except for one person who's like, come live with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last castle, it's completely empty. It's just with a new music as you crawl down to the bottom to resurrect Dracula. Yeah. Um, Zelda 2 is probably a lot more concise and effective. Um, but I feel like this game covers a lot of the same ground as Zelda 2. Absolutely. And, and I really thought it was magical. I think it's probably one of the most important and best Castlevanias. And I really wish that um, it's the only one that never really... The only part of the vision that never really got followed up on. Yeah. Um, the Symphony stuff got six sequels, whatever. Um, the cat, the original Castlevania got a ton of sequels. It got Rondo of Blood. It has Bloodlines, yeah. and but Simon's Quest is just on its own. It's we're not really going to. We didn't. We did never got a Castlevania that expounds expounds on those ideas, unless you count Dark Souls. Um, 
because that that was really it. It felt like dark. It was like playing Castlevania one and two. It was like I was playing the two separate parts that went on to make up what everything I loved about Dark Souls with the heavyweight, amazing action, um, and then just this amazing world. And it, I, I, I mentioned like how the you're climbing down to the bottom of the pit in New Londo and you have to jump into the pit with a certain ring equipped from the other side of the world mm-hmm. in order to fight a boss and how that was one of my favorite moments in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just straight-ass Hymen's Quest, basically. Just the same vibe. In a way. And I think that game's fucking magical. I think it's really psychological and interesting. Eh. Eh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you're going to convince me. <laughs> okay. I just think the problem with that game is that it kind of loses the tight action of the original. Yeah, it, it's that that was sort of like my problem with it is like I, I played it a couple years ago, um, and I just thought that like the action was so mushy and like the enemy designs were uninspired and just nothing really gelled or felt <laughs> like the kind of precision and like really well thought out simple designs of the first Castlevania. That's fair. I. I... I guess it felt to me like um, exploring the castle, um, the appeal of the castle and the world was kind of like incompatible with the style of the original Castlevania because those are tight linear challenges where you go through them in one direction and one direction only. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't really see how you fic- mesh-, mesh that in with Simon's Quest. Like you can make all the mansions linear levels, um, but that's still... So that kind of loses the mystique of what you're trying yeah. to do with the grander scheme of what Simon's Quest is trying to do. Yeah. So I I don't really know how you'd improve Simon's Quest and, without losing a lot of what <laughs> would make it magical to me. Somebody was, like, doing, like, this uh, HD remake kind of thing of it uh, a oh, few no. years ago, uh, and I played that, and it seemed pretty decent, but I don't think that they ever finished it. Mm, yeah, I'm pretty suspicious of a lot of those, like that Metroid 2 remake that's just like, let's make it more like yeah. Zero Mission. Yeah, great, great. That kind of misses the point. I think I yeah. got a box quote so... right there. John saying, <laughs> I can't think of a way to improve Castlevania 2. <laughs> <laughs> so, that game's fucking amazing. Like, my one of my friends, Eric John, was like, yes, that is one of my five favorite games ever. And then Jeez. chatted with me about it a lot. You know, you know, your circle of friends outside us is very strange. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Austin was, I think that if they had better writing, the Igavanias would be my favorite games. And that's the one where I'm just like, wait, what? Are you insane? <laughs> it goes deeper than that, because then he doesn't even like Symphony. Right? Well, that's just him oh. being him for the sake of being him. He's got to have that contrarian opinion or he loses Y'all don't his... Know, he loses, he loses his indie cred if he doesn't have that opinion. <laughs> his opinions are awesome. Um, <laughs> totally. Totally I just, awesome. I, I want to talk... I want to finish um, the other Igabanias. Just I only have a couple left, and then I can maybe chat with him in depth about that, see what he likes about him. His, fa- his favorite's Dawn, which I don't like at all. <laughs> then you can write... The Rise and Fall of Vigavania for Sexy. (laughs) Then I'd have to replay the DS games. I don't want to do that. I liked Order of Ecclesia. I liked Order of... Austin hates Ecclesia. Exactly. Why does it? Why wouldn't he? Um, Why the fuck wouldn't he? I thought Ecclesia was pretty good. I hate those ones. (laughs) No, people love Dawn of Sorrow and Portrait of Ruin because they are polished. 
And oh yeah, we have all right, all right. So after Simon's <laughs> Quest, naturally, I went on to Symphony of the Night because I was like, all right, I want more of this. And I then have to know. yeah, and no, Symphony of the Night is not more Simon's Quest. No, no, um, it is not um, obtuse and mystical. It's and... Bargain Ben Super Metroid. <laughs> it has a pretty cool sense of place in a lot of areas, um, especially compared with the other Igavanias, which is admittedly not the highest of standards to rate and experience by. Not really. Um, <laughs> but just background, I played three DS games, and I did a really shitty um, cursory run of Symphony, um, where I just looked at a walkthrough, basically, and Newt told me where to go, which is a shitty way to play that game. Um, I mean, it gets you through it faster, so in a way, it's... No, it's... Um, Preferable. Um, no, but then you're you're not engaging with it in any meaningful way, and you're not engaging with it in any of the way that they might want you to engage with it. Right. So I engaged with it the way I knew they wanted me to engage with Symphony. I filled out the whole fucking map. Um, I explored the catacombs. I fought all the optional bosses. Um, I didn't look at a map, so I didn't find all the secret hidden rooms or whatever. Um, I did find all the relics. And I made sure that I had fought all the bosses. Hmm. And then, um, so the first half of that game is pretty, pretty okay. Cause there's a lot of interesting places, you know, I really like the grand great chapel where you, it's basically linear. You go up these big, long staircases and then these big towers, mm-hmm. you keep going up. It's a strong kind of theming to it. Mm-hmm. And there's only a checkpoint, like a ways into it too. So is actually pretty intense at times. I really, like, the first time I played that game, enjoyed the hell out of that first part of that game. Yeah. Um, I love Great Chapel. I love the Great Chapel, the Outer Wall. I, I feel like I can name every part of the game, like kind of like I can with Dark Souls. Yeah. Um, the action's mushy and just weightless and yeah. meaningless, but okay, that's not what this game's on about. Um, it's, just, it's sort of like a great celebration of Castlevania. Let's take all of these things from the Elder Games, throw them all together in this big, mushy castle, um, create a bunch of cool places, and go nuts. Um, and I, I liked it for that. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of... There's so many cool touches, like the confessional in the Great Chapel. Yeah. It's this one room with a completely unique sound um, song, and like four different things can happen, depending on if you sit in e- either chair or the confessional. Um... Sometimes somebody will come up and stab you. Sometimes somebody comes up and starts crying and then disappears. Yeah. And it's really creepy and cool. Um, and there's a couple kind of obtuse puzzles, which I think adds to it because they like the clock. The clock is a really cool puzzle to figure out. Exactly. Um, and that elevates the game a lot in my eyes to have just a couple moments like that, you know? Um, that otherwise, it's just kind of filling in a maze, finding the right keys, putting them in the right doors. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that game's pretty solid. Um, then I got to the inverted castle. I filled out the entire thing. Oh, my God. I, I did it. <laughs> I did what the game fucking wanted me to. I went through the whole castle just in one big circle. There's no barriers. There's. It's not really that hard. It gets harder still. The idea is that you should be limited by like by difficulty now. It's a but numbers it's like, game when you get there. It's just like, oh yeah. well, you know, is your are your damage numbers high? Is your hit points high? Okay. I fought Beelzebub, which was a really creepy, cool boss design. I missed the first time. Yeah. Um, and I fought the three 
Um, Castlevania three characters, which was fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just filling in a maze because it's the action's weightless and there's no barriers or, and you already have seen all these places. Only now uh, they're upside down. Woo! So, ugh. <laughs> it's a really dumb idea. I That is exactly where I quit playing when I played Symphony of the Night a couple of years ago. It was like, yeah. wow, this is boring, and I'm not enjoying it in the least. Yeah, it took about two hours. To, the first half of the game took four or five hours, and then the, the Inverter Castle only took about two because there's yeah. no barriers to movement. Um, But... Yeah, that's just a really dumb idea, and it did not add to the game. I think it's cool to have some of the textures where you're walking on ceilings and whatnot. Um, some areas that were harmless before are suddenly you realize, oh, there were spikes on these ceilings. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and there's cool shit. That's come some cool shit. When you get to the bottom of the castle, it's actually now, it, now the top of the castle. So the hot lava that was at the very bottom of Castlevania is now like this weird misty blue um, with a really hard boss at the end that I had to, that I googled it and it said, oh, equip this shield and stand by his feet and he'll die in five seconds. And then he did. <laughs> um, great. <laughs> Woo, great design. Yeah. And it's kind of okay story with um the awful, with the voice acting kind of getting, kind of being silly. Yeah. Um. Symphony Night's okay. It's I'm I'm right back where I started. It's it's okay because the first half of the game has enough good stuff, but I think it's just it's it's a game I probably don't ever want to play again. Really, I might be I might be with you there, which is unfortunate because I was really pretty pumped up on it for the first half or so. For me, that game really lacks like just like the. Like, yeah, it has a sense of place in that its backgrounds are really cool sometimes and you can remember some areas, but I think that what makes those kinds of games great, and I'm not going to say that word because I'm not stupid, um, I think what makes those games great is when you, you've, you're given a real sense of place, when you can go into a screen and recognize that screen because each screen is so lovingly crafted, whereas Castlevania games... All of them that I have played uh, are all the, boxes. In this specific, it's just a you know a gothic box that you you know walk around in. It's like Super Metroid. It's got so many freaking amazing places that you can remember. Like I go into a room in that game and I know exactly where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And it's just never the case with uh, any of the Egovania games. It's just mm-hmm. bleh. all of the ways that Symphony thrives. I think are it thriving in relation to other igovania games all none of them um create as convincing an ecosystem as that game does because it has the enemies that appear in areas in symphony of the night mostly only appear in those areas yeah which is really cool because you'll get to dawn of sorrow and they'll just have like plants everywhere growing out of the ground oh in the library in the library yeah so there's no it's all just grinding and collecting the different Pokemon souls or collecting the, the different furniture. And it's the same sprites. Same sprites since Rondo of Blood. Yep. Um, and those games feel very cynical to me. Oh, and, they are. Incredibly. Yeah, Dawn of Sorrow and Portrait of Ruin feel very cynical and empty to me. Yeah. And 
the, those games give me um, the room and space to appreciate what Symphony accomplishes because it does stuff that those games don't. Right. Um, but it's not necessarily something I'm going to rush back to, and I definitely don't get the reason. It's so adored. People love it so much. Yeah, I know. Oh. I, I just I don't get it. I don't get it. It's it's much. It's better than Secret of Mana. Nostalgia. <laughs> oh, it's nostalgia. Is that really it, man? It, it's so much better than Secret of Mana. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna use that as my benchmark for. A Is while. that like our new whipping boy for the podcast? It's better than Secret of Mana. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, th- yeah, I'm down with that. Um, Symphonies, okay. I appreciate the things it accomplishes, and I don't think the people that like it are stupid. So I can see there, that. box code. Back, back of the box. Code. I don't think people that like it are stupid. <laughs> Somebody get like we've really got to get that Tumblr going. Socks cast back of the box quotes. Um, and then I went and played Castlevania Bloodlines, and that's a really great game. Yep, we're more than halfway oh. through here, folks. Oh my um, god. All right, I'll, we can move a little faster. Play so many. This is this is sad, John. <laughs> sad is... John has an addiction problem. It seems <laughs> binging. <laughs> Jesus. So I played all of Castlevania Bloodlines, and that game's fucking amazing. Yes, it is. It's it's that is the most fist pumping, just blood boiling action masterwork. I can think of. And I think that you can easily compare it with uh, the concision of the first Castlevania because they're yep. both six stages long. They yep. each stage does something unique and different. Mm-hmm. And each, you know, game has a really satisfying climax. Yes, absolutely. I think both I think easily I will say that Bloodlines is as great as the first two NES Castlevania games. Um I'm with you. I, I don't know what else to say there. Like, you lost the series you said the first two. <laughs> it's like, I get what I you're saying. I'm just not going to hop first. on board that Simon's Quest uh, boat. No, no. I, I mean, yeah, I think it's as, I think the, uh, I think it's as great as the first Castlevania game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the third stage is my favorite. Yeah, the one yeah. in Italy where you climb up the tower and then you climb around the tower. That is so cool. Oh man, it's just the polar opposite of Castlevania Four because all of the little tech gimmickry moments are actually like suited towards amazing set pieces. Yeah, it's not just like we're doing this because we can. The room is spinning around. Now wait for thirty seconds while it spins. Thrilling! You can wiggle the whip. You can wiggle the whip. Which oh, makes the like like the like the ability to swing your whip in any direction in Castlevania Four makes it boring, but. Oh great! Now, now all the sub weapons are useless. Yeah, basically. <laughs> cool. Also, so, it's ten trillion years long. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like, like if they took all the Castlevania works and put them in a line. Games like Castlevania and Volgar the Viking—they work because they have limitations on how you can attack. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't attack straight up in Castlevania One unless you're given an ability to do so. You mm-hmm. can't attack straight up in Volgar the Viking. You know, unless you do like a double jump to spin around, mm-hmm. and then Castlevania Four is like, well, let's just make it so you can whip in every direction, and then people are like, wow, that's more directions than in previous games. Therefore, this is better. And it's not. That game's no. way too long. It's way too self-indulgent. 
Yeah, I don't like Castlevania Four very much. I will give it props I think for its, its sound. I'll give it props for its soundtrack and not much else. Yeah, I, every now and then I'm like, I get the first theme of the first level stuck in my head, and yeah. they're like, I should go back and play Castlevania Four. But Bloodlines has that song, so now I'm I'm set. There you go. Plays it in the first couple rooms before Dracula. Yep. It's really perfect. So if if I've basically never played Castlevania, should I just go to Bloodlines? Yeah, play Bloodlines. You'll like it. Um, remember, Reet, how you told me um that one thing that was interesting to you about Castlevania One was how the the Oh, oh, and then all right, let's let's bring in Castlevania one. <laughs> I played that right after Castlevania Bloodlines, right? All right, let's uh-huh. two birds with one stone here. We've yeah. only got seventy more to go. And Castlevania one's obviously a perfect masterpiece, and it's an amazing game, and it's beautiful. Um, but the, you brought up the the lengths that that game goes to establish a sense of place, um, mm-hmm. like how floating ba- floating platforms are like set up against background elements, mm-hmm. and how the world yeah. just continuously flows together and everything. And you said that kind of almost limits it a little bit because they have to be tied to that sense of place. Um, Bloodlines doesn't ha- do that. <laughs> Bloodlines oh, <weird>. is Bloodlines <laughs> is a world hopper. Yeah, Bloodlines huh. not just hops from city to city. Each stage is basically a disconnected series of gauntlets. Like it just teleports you into new areas uh, when you get to the end of one area. And there's one part where you're just walking on a platform, and there's like a town in forest mountains behind you in the distant background, and there's just gears floating in the air. Because oh my god. Why not? Because <laughs> why not? It's Castlevania as a dumb video game, and then it's that as much as it can be. So, Castlevania... Do we know what, yeah? which team in Konami worked on that? Was that like the hardcore I team? No I want to say it was like the Sparkster slash yeah, I think hardcore it was. team, because it, it utilizes cool. a lot of the same tech that you see... Um, in, in those games, and it's got some really cool, like, uh, scaling, rotation, and uh, reflection effects. Mm-hmm. Cool. And there's yeah, I really, can see that. Really messed up place in the last castle. It's just really crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, that was my favorite. Really I think Stage Three was my head. favorite, but um, the last Medusa headset piece that's in the last really level. Good. It's really good. Yeah, that's my favorite moment in the game. Your Genesis isn't broken, okay? Just don't <laughs> worry, your Genesis isn't broken. The game is that, acting as it needs to. Yeah, Bloodlines uses the Medusa heads better than any other Castlevania. Yeah. Like, that level, and then the um, Tower of Pisa. Oh, that's uh, so good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. So, it it abandons kind of what made Castlevania 1 kind of classy. Yeah. And sophisticated. Um, but it's also the f- most fun of any of the Castlevanias, yeah, I think. it is Castlevania having a shit ton of fun with itself. Yep. And cool. I'm interested in the... Play- and I'll play it again with the spear guy next, because he looks like a blast! He's really cool. He's so cool, those spear And, and the only thing I can hold against Bloodlines is that it has a boss gauntlet at the end, but the bosses only have half health. Yeah. Yeah, they go by... It goes by pretty quick. So yeah, you'll get done with that very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think you only fight... I think you fight three of the previous bosses. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they go by pretty quick. Yeah. Um, Bloodlines is fucking great. And then I play Castlevania 1 after that. And then I think we're... Because I mentioned Kid Dracula already. I think that means we're at the very last Castlevania I played. Woo! I played through all of Castlevania Circle of the Moon. Uh-oh. It's, an, it's another Igavania, <laughs> but without Iga in it. 
Yeah, and it, it, it's a it's a launch Game Boy Advance game, I believe. Yes. So everyone complained it was too dark. Yeah, it was. Oh. If you had if you had with the original Game Boy Advance, that game was nigh unplayable. Oh, bummer. Well, Circle of the Moon succeeds in ways where Symphony of the Night falls flat. Mm. Circle of the Moon falls off the cliff in areas <laughs> Symphony of the Night succeeds. Right. And it fails at a lot of the same things that Symphony fails at. Yeah. Um, so Circle of the Moon is basically, it has the best and snappiest physics and satisfying action of any of the Igabania games. Yeah, it's not super floaty. It, it, it actually really does feel like it's kind of trying to merge classic Castlevania play style and uh, what they were doing with Symphony. Exactly. It has a lot of really cool enemy designs that have smart behaviors. Um, they react to you in interesting ways. They're strategic. Um, there'll be enemies there where they're, they can do three different things, and you have to structure your motions so that any, you can dodge each of those three different things depending and have time to react. Yeah. And that's cool. Um, all of the levels are boxes. Yeah. Um, there's not actually any interesting level layouts. They just made a bunch of interesting enemies and then just littered boxes with them. Yeah. Um, so the enemies are interesting, but they're not actually put into levels. They're just interesting enemies. Each each box is essentially like, oh, hey, here's a miniature optional battle arena. Exactly. And sometimes you'll... And mostly, by the end, I was just jumping over everything. Yeah. Um, and... Oftentimes they'll have long hallways where they just copy paste the same enemy pair like five times. Yeah, and it's so lazy. Um, it's by the people who made the N sixty four games. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Huh. So I forgot it, about that. So wait. Yeah. Ega isn't involved in this one. Ega was not involved in um. What? Involved in Circle of the Moon. No. Um. I so basically, he did all the handheld ones. No. No. Harmony of Dissonance was basically Ega taking Castlevania back, fuck. taking back Castlevania from the um, Kobe N64 people and being like, they're there. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then he proceeds to make the most boring game imaginable. Yeah. Which so, it, I'm, I'm so lost on this timeline. I haven't, I finished, haven't played Harmony or Aria, and I'm probably going to because I have a lot of people telling me, no, 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 these are the interesting ones. No, Harmony uh, is boring as shit. Um... I'll see. Uh, <laughs> I just have I just have to ask. Did did Iga do Arya? Yes, he did Arya. He did okay. Dawn. He did, he did okay. Ecclesia, he has some he did, cred. So, yeah, it, it, if Arya is actually what it's cracked out to be, um, well, I mean, people love it just like Symphony. What could go wrong? <laughs> people love it just like Symphony, just like Dawn, just like Portrait. But I have smart people who only like Circle the Moon and Harmony. You trust, uh, well, oh, yeah. what was that brilliant line you had? You trust, you know, you trust Egovania fans' opinion about as much as you trust. Trust Breath of Fire fans. Yes. <laughs> Except, yeah, so they, Egovania fans don't like Circle of the Moon and Harmony of Dissonance, so that's worth, that's worth pursuing then. Um, <laughs> there's a, also, Sim, Ega didn't actually have a whole lot to do with Symphony, as I understand it. He kind of came in near the yeah. end. Yeah, like, so. even when, like, like, cause I know Double Fine, like, they have this video series where they sit down with older creators and, like, play through the game and talk to them about it. 
Mm-hmm. And even then, he just seemed kind of lost when talking about um, Symphony of the Night. It's, somebody pointed out how almost all of Iga's games don't actually star Belmonts. They yeah. star, like, people being thrust into this role where they aren't actually very well-suited to take thing, take on these people, take yeah. the, on these challenges, and they're just doing the best they can. They're not actually the people that others think they are. <laughs> so, hey, sounds a little uh, synonymous so, with his own life. So, and then Harmony was literally said, I wanted to make a game similar to Symphony. <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes it. And... I'll tell so, you what is interesting. So it's so weird how Iga gets this credit for this game itself, and then the game itself isn't actually that good anyway, so this they whole did, thing is so fucked. They did this hodgepodge online um, Castlevania game. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's despair. And, and it's it's not great, but it's actually a lot more interesting than a lot of the normal Egevania games. Egevania games. It's just like, yeah, this <laughs> game is a hodgepodge of reused sprites, reused... Uh, dungeons and shit, but it's interesting because it has a cool gameplay, uh, you know, dynamic with how you know, like, the, like bosses, like, you know, it's like, yeah, you're in a level that's you know pretty damn largely sized, maybe not as big as the Symphony of the Night Castle, um, and there aren't really like transition scenes or anything. But then, like, sometimes like the map will zoom back out and you'll see the boss at the top, and oh, he's just gonna fire an attack down through the fucking castle. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like that's really cool, but the problem is like the online for that game is terrible. They botched it so bad. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, when you were talking about Harmony of Dissonance, I thought you were talking about Harmony of Despair. I'm like, what are you talking about? He took the series back after the DS games, like all confused. No, no, because I'm so... like HD. That's the 360 one. <laughs> <laughs> so Iga's made a bunch of these games. Um... I don't think any of them are probably all that good. <laughs> Arya probably has the best chance um, of winning anybody over, maybe. Uh, Arya has the best chance of, I think, probably being like a legit, pretty good game. I'm sticking with Order of Ecclesia. Yeah, yeah, but that game still kind of is cripple is sort of held back by all these compromises to this structure. It's held back by the compromises to the structure, but I think where it makes it's up still for better. that is that it is very fun to play and it is very challenging for a lot of the right reasons. Cool. Well, that's my feelings on Circle of the Moon. That game is still pretty cool and interesting. Um, Even if it's held back by wanting to sort of emulate the structure a bit. Yes, it's the structure. The structure is bonk. Is, it's is bonk. Bad. The structure is bad. I've, ne- I've never heard somebody use that word in the way you just did. But I What's really it? find what it... What word am I trying to use? I find it endearing. I gotta bonk. say. The structure is bulk. The structure is... Bonk. Barf. No, let's just stick with bonk. I like that. I think you mean bunk. 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 The structure is bunk. I like <laughs> I like bonk, though. Let's stick with bonk. The structure is bonk. Um, bonk is a, a good game. But bonk is a good game. <laughs> I died. In Circle of the Moon, I died on, I think, all but, like, one or two boss fights. I'm not for, surprised. That game's difficult. Yeah. Um, and, it the only time more, I, and it was even more difficult when I was trying to play it on a fucking Game Boy uh, What? Um, the stupid card system is oh, stupid. Oh, God, yeah. It's utterly dumb. Um, um, it's like the Cyber Elves in Mega Man Zero. Like, yeah. if you need the card uh. system, then... 
it's too complicated for you to figure out. Yeah. Like, I managed to figure it out, but I don't need this card system, this system to come in and break this challenge for me. Yeah. And it's dumb in the same way the Cyber Elves are dumb. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Circle of the Moon, if you play it without trying to obsessively fill in the map and hunt down all of these stupid cards, um, I think it's pretty cool and solid. Right. Uh, it moves fast enough that the boxy levels don't matter too much. Yeah. Because the enemies are still cool. Because, um, I mean, dra- when, you, when you look at original Castlevania games, the, the, no, levels, sh- are, the levels are kind of boxes. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, not so much with, um, not so much with Bloodlines. Bloodlines, another cool thing about Bloodlines is it, um... It's uh, really dynamic. Yeah. Um, a couple of the lessons, I think, I think we can basically start raining it in. I feel like the lessons I've learned here, um, for action game design is that when you have an enemy or a boss that can do two different things and you need to be prepared for it to do either thing um, on the fly, then that's a good experience. Yes. And you can prepare for either thing on the fly. You can't... It's not just bullshit. Yeah. Uh, there's proper the, telegraphing. It's, it's exactly. done really well. That's how... Because there's, there's static enemies that move, do the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's enemies that react to you in predefined ways so you can control their behavior... If you know what you're doing, there's enemies in Bloodlines that do that. Like, run by you, and if you whip them, then they'll bounce back, um, yeah. among other things. Enemies that will hone, it, hone in on you and whatnot in predictable ways. Mm-hmm. The Medusa heads that spawn on your horizontal plane. Um, and it's easy and then to there's enemies. Yeah, exactly. So the Medusa heads are good, are really good. Um, they have a really good predefined static behavior that still reacts to you in one interesting way. And they, especially when they're added to other challenges, they're really fascinating. Yeah, and then the, the, you can get yeah. a lot of mileage out of that lazy sine wave pattern. It's so good. It's so good. Um, and the axe armors, I feel like, are just a prototypical, really good enemy. Yeah, like, they have, like, they're a good roadblock, because they have a exactly. lot of, they have a lot of health, and mm-hmm. they're there to keep you there while something else may be creeping up. Exactly. And, and they can... They attack you in two different ways. They can attack you by hitting, attacking with the um, axe on top or the axe on bottom, mm-hmm. and they're moving back and forth. Yeah. So it's all very dynamic and random in a smart way. And before they throw their axe, there's always a frame that, mm-hmm. that tells you where the axe is coming from. Mm-hmm. Not actually in the first Castlevania. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, that, I think they did that in three. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, they don't introduce the axe armors until death stage in Castlevania One because they're yeah. much harder in that game. Yeah. Um, so enemies that can do. You, I remember like talking with Reed how in Hunters we felt like I told them it felt like it really came together at the end of stage three because that's when you have the boss that the dragon boss that has a number of different things it can do. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. the first boss without a predetermined pattern, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a blast. And then the rest of the game, is, the rest of this game is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the final boss in particular is just like there's oh. so many like things that he can do, and it's just which can... one? Uh, yeah, <laughs> which one? Uh, the final boss before the escape sequence. Okay, that cool. that that entire yeah. boss, like both stages of it. What a, what a game! Both, I think there's five. Okay, um, so that game is really. Wait, which one we're talking? About? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> 
that's those are good action lessons. Um, Castlevania Adventure has a bunch of enemies like that. Um, and then the last lesson that I think we can all agree, um, auto scroll is awesome when it's used well. Mm. When it's used well, because the uh, there's a couple set pieces in Bloodlines that are auto scroll, and they're some yeah. of the most memorable parts of the yeah, game. Yeah, like when the water is forcing you up. Yep, that is so yeah. good. Yeah, there's two it's different. Used types really of sparingly in that game too. Exactly. There's auto scroll where the um what where you, there's a thing that will kill you, mm-hmm. and then there's just where um the screen is moving. I guess. Yeah. Um, where where it, are you being stopped from moving forward? Basically, yeah. In adventure and in the water level, you're not being stopped from moving forward, but in the Tower of Pisa and the going around the Tower of Pisa, you are. Yeah. But they keep that intensity. Anyway, they yeah. just you just have to balance it so it's not boring like some of the Mario Three auto scroll levels maybe. Oh lord, I yeah. completely forgot how many auto scrollers that game had. Yeah, because when, when auto scrolls are easy, they're boring. Yeah. You have to. If you need they need to be this extra obstacle, this level of intensity. Oh shit! It keeps moving me, and I'm not ready to move. Welcome to the machine. Welcome to the machine. Oh. Um, so those are all the lessons I took from Castlevania. Um, and I learned that how to about creating an interesting sense of place. I learned how not having a map is awesome. Yeah, um, and that as when you have a map. Then you you're can gonna just stress over that thing. Maze. You're just gonna fill in a maze, and it's yeah. boring, and it's just weightless, and there's no resistance to it. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, those are that's my Castlevania experience. So like with our our unintentional Castlevania cast out of the way, I guess I will jump in because it's a kind of a perfect segue for uh, a game that uh, I uh, played recently. Um. Guess these guys have heard me talk a little bit about it prior to the podcast, and they seemed kind of bummed. But uh, I played Axiom Verge. Um, this is a game. Uh, it's a game that was created over the course of five years by one man. Uh, it takes some very obvious uh, inspirations from Super Metroid um, and nothing else. It is, <laughs> it is. I mean, seriously, like when you look at everything that this game does. Um, it is essentially, hey, remember Super Metroid? And I hear he gets really pissy when people mention it, too. Wait, that's <laughs> kind of weird. Yeah, it's, it's like, I, I can't say for sure. I've only read, like, third-person accounts of it, but I hear he gets really pissy when you, people mention that it's, like, it's got a lot in common with Metroid when it's just like, dude. <laughs> what? When it's just like, dude, look at what you're making. Um, like, that game practically almost looks like it lifted art from the NES game. Yeah, times. yeah. It's it's like the art style is like it's distinct the... in how very Metroid slash Super Metroid that it looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is distinct in how Metroid he is. Yes. Um Axiom Purge is really fucking good. Um it God is damn it. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, told uh, us that she told us the whole time before the podcast that it was terrible. Yeah, for the last hour and a half or so, I've had them believing I was very angry about what Axiom Verge is. I didn't know it. I totally believed you. (laughs) Uh, But uh, Axiom Verge, uh, Axiom Verge, um, on its surface, is very, hey, look, I'm a Metroid game. Um, And I think that what that game does in terms of, like, the, the way that it sets itself up, the way it corrals you through its world, the kind of... 
uh, the power-ups you get, the weapons you use, uh, the enemies you fight, and the way that you're changing the world around you. Uh, it obviously takes cues from Metroid, um, and um, then totally does its own thing, even though it's still a very similar flavor. Um, it has a very unique identity uh, because of how it twists everything that those games do. It's not necessarily a deconstruction. Um, I think that that's too hard of a word. I think that it subverts uh, a lot of the uh, things, like how you would get around a Metroid-ish like world. Um, but uh, shit, it's 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 whew, it's a really uh, amazing little game. Where do I even start? Um, it it it. it it plays up its Metroidiness in a way that is so intentional at first that, like, for your first hour, you may be wondering, why is this special? Because, it, you know, for, like, the first 45 minutes to an hour, it's purposefully leading you down the very same kind of path that Metroid and Super Metroid lead you down. Like, you go to the left to get your very first weapon <laughs> in the game, uh, and then you go right and continue <laughs> into a vertical shaft that you have to climb all the way up to the top and then go to the right, get another power up, go back down, go down to the shaft about halfway, go into another door on the right, go get in, go fight a boss, <laughs> get something that's kind of like a bomb. And it's, it's, it just plays it. It might play it a little too long, but I still think that it's very interesting that when the game starts doing its own really cool things, that the impact is just that much, that much better. Um, like one of the cooler parts uh, of the game is you're given uh, a glitch gun uh, that allows you to alter the properties of enemies and the environment, uh, and you don't know how it's going to like re you know, and you don't know how things are going to react mm. to the glitch gun before you use it. You could actually end up making certain enemies more dangerous uh, if you glitch them out. Um, but then there are other mm. cool things like, oh, if I like glitch these enemies out, if I glitch this specific enemy out, he, he like doesn't drop bombs anymore. He just spits health out at me for some reason. Oh, <laughs> or, or or like if I glitch this enemy out, like oh, all of a sudden it turns into this like uh, it turns into six, you know, sprites that like you know they're like three line on, you know two lines of three on top of one another. But when I shoot it, it does six damage now. So it's just like, oh, that's that's really clever, and how they play around with like, like looking for glitches in the environment to use it on to not only get around, but to like solve certain traversability. Is that a word? Traversability. Uh, sure. Certain traversal puzzles uh, in a way. Um, um, but yeah, like the glitch gun is definitely one of like kind of that game's calling cards and how it can be used to make combat easier, make it harder, and it also is like. The, the the glitching out effects are very convincing. Like you might you wouldn't be wrong in like seeing like weird random glitches in the environment and thinking, okay, like something's wrong. I feel like I need to take a cartridge out and blow on it or something. It's it's that con <laughs> it's that convincing. Like there's like flicker and sprobe and sprobe. Sprobe is not a word, Polly. <laughs> Strobe? Strobe. The way, like, enemies flicker and strobe, like, when they're all glitched out and stuff, or when they turn into these just pixelated messes. Um, mm. I'm, I'm almost sure that there's, like, uh, one enemy kind of glitches out into a missing no, uh, into the same exact <laughs> shape of missing no. I'm almost certain I saw one of those, too. Um, but you not only use that to, like, you know, open up paths that you couldn't get through before, but, you know, you use it to play around with how enemies 
behave and it's really cool because that can also tie into traversal like there are a couple enemies where if you glitch them out you can stand on them or if you glitch him out he, he will change shape and then the like you can stand on top of him and get to a higher place that you never could before um <clears throat> Uh, but the game also has like you know it's 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 got a grappling hook that works very much like uh, Bionic Commando's bionic arm, but like it, it, an even cooler um, power that they give you is the ability to just straight up freaking teleport through walls or just kind of glitch oh. your way through walls. Like you'll you 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 stand up against the wall and double tap against it. You'll start like glitching and fading like out like you know you're a busted NES game or something, and then just poop on the other side of the wall. Um, <laughs> And then, like, they start playing around with that even more when you get more traversal abilities that let you, like, you oh, okay, all of a sudden now you can do that anywhere. Uh, you can now just start, like, you know, glitching through, like, like, you can jump and then glitch through a wall slowly. And then there's, like, an ability where, that you finally get in its final upgraded form where it's just a straight-up air dash. Um, and you like you do the air dash, and then oh well, no, we've got more ways that we can accompany that with things. Because then you get like, you, you know, you would expect like with all the little like cr- crevasses and things that you that would look like you would need to roll into a ball to get into. Instead, they like give you like this little proby machine that you can send out, and it'll do its own thing. Like it's a little drone oh, that you can cool. send out uh, to do exploration, and then even later in the game you get the ability to like once you launch that probe somewhere you can then just immediately teleport to where that drone is at uh. <laughs> so it opens up so, like it does so many cool things and it's just like it's just like when you think that this like when you're in the early parts of the game you're like you're looking around it's like okay i'm probably going to get a double jump somewhere or a wall jump and it just completely subverts that by never giving you those kinds of abilities or anything that's just normal uh, and milk toast um and it's just like Jesus Christ the game's got like 21 <laughs> weapons <laughs> and it's kind of ridiculous and they all have like their own kinds of specific uses like and they're all pretty optional um, they're not. They're not just keys for doors. No, not at all. In fact, every door in the game is open. Like you don't ever have to shoot a door open, <laughs> which is kind of funny because it's just like you get to the side. You know, you get to the end of your so first. Spiritually fulfilling. <laughs> you get to the end of your first room, and it's just like, oh, I don't have to. I was shooting at doors, on you know, out of instinct. You know, and it's like, oh, I don't have to. I can just like jump up through these doors, or I can walk through these doors without having to do mm. that. And none of the weapons are really like any kind of key for anything uh, a lot of your progress is gated by you know you having to find a lot of the traversal abilities like phasing through walls and things like that but i don't think that the world is set up in a way that you're a, a typical kind of like one of those would be um it's it feels- not like you go into a room and i'm like okay i need a new power up if i want to be able to get through here it's that you get a new power up that transforms how you un- how you interact with the world, exactly, and that makes you go to new areas. Yeah, it's just like you know, by the time you're at the end of the game, you're just like jumping up and phasing through platforms. You're not even you're not even using the platforms to like you know like <laughs> you know like normally like if you were like you know two platforms that are the same length, you would like jump out and then pull back in. But it's just like no, nah, I'm just gonna like jump up. Uh, double tap up twice and just phase through it and be on the top of that platform. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's a lot of really satisfying things like that. Um, and uh, it's got a really good level of difficulty, which I think a lot of these games lack. Um, it's like, like this game whooped my ass quite a few times just on normal. Um, a lot of the bosses, they're very pattern based, but 
they're, they're like they're tricky to suss out patterns and uh, I think like my only real like the only complaint I would have with like the bosses and stuff like that is that they don't it, they don't involve the glitch gun enough in them because like I think this like the second or third boss where you've got to like reveal platforms uh, in order to like in order to be able to take out all the spots on the boss that you need to take out. So you're just like, you've got to kind of like look for glitches in the background, fire your glitch gun at it, while at the same time dodging the attacks that it's spitting out at you. And I kind of wish more bosses in the game operated on that, but it, a lot of it, a lot of the bosses are unfortunately kind of just DPS races. Um, mm. So, I mean, that's yeah. kind of a bummer. Which is kind of true of, which is kind of true of a lot of the Metroid games too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and uh, let's see. Yeah, um, whew, lost my train of thought because this game is so good. Axiom Verge looks amazing. Um, but uh, like you know, like I said, you don't really kind of like traverse this world the same way that you would one of these games because like while it's true, you do end up doing a fair bit of backtracking to kind of like either advance or if you're curious to find out if any of your new powers are able to get you anything for the most part it felt to me like they were just like a lot of linear levels strung together in a very sensible way even though that they're kind of like big and sprawling and have a lot of nook and crannies that you can you know come back to and find later it feels to me like they can all just kind of be played like as you know like this is level one this is level two this is level three um, and it's, it's, you know, it's really cool. Uh, it doesn't quite have the atmospheric storytelling of, uh, Super Metroid. Uh, there are a few spots that I noticed while I was playing that, like, when I got to the end of the game, I was like, oh, that's really cool. I know what that reference is now. Um, the game kind of takes more of a cave story approach with its storytelling where, you know, your dude is interacting with, um, the beings on this planet and trying to find out, like, why I'm here, what happened, why am I here, and... What exactly happened here? Um, and it's like uh, a really cool little story to, you know, to, to kind of suss out because it deals a lot with like alternate realities, you know, like how many, like, like, you know, are we actually living, you know, a reality of 100 different kinds of reality or things like that? It kind of goes off the rails in a really fun <laughs> way uh, by the time you get to the end. Um, <laughs> and I think the ending really kind of like... Uh, hits on that really well it actually is uh it's not a full cliffhanger ending but it leaves enough there that like the dude said he's definitely interested in doing another game sort of set with like similar themes but not necessarily the same world um so it's kind of interesting to see like maybe like we will be phasing in and out of different planes of existence you know in a in a potential sequel or something (laughs) which i think is really cool um but man, that game, it's, it's, uh, like, I don't go out of my way to like 100% these games a lot anymore because I just don't really feel that there's much to it, but I really felt myself wanting to, uh, with Axiom Burge because I think that like the, the, not only is it just like, you know, it's a very pretty game. The mu- the soundtrack is just top freaking notch. Um, it's, it's, it's very video gamey and atmospheric in the times that it needs to be. Uh, so it's good about kind of mixing, like, the direction of the music with sort of, like, where you are in the world or what the story is. Um, and going back to kind of, like, what we were talking about with Symphony of the Night, um, like, where I felt that, like, that game is just boxes and boxes and boxes. Yes. I, I found myself utilizing uh, the auto map very little in Axiom Verge because every single room is distinct. And, mm-hmm. like... 
like if you put me somewhere in that world and told me to go somewhere, more than likely I could take you there, you know, without much messing up because like, like the, Super Metroid. Yeah, by the time I got to the end of the game, like I knew where I was in that world at almost all times and I knew how to get to where I needed to be. Uh, and it guides you along really well and it's just because every room is distinct. It's like it's not necessarily always set pieces or anything. It's just like every room has been meticulously crafted to try and not look like anything else in the game. Oh, that's so nice. So oh Oh my god, I feel like I'm, after playing all these fucking Igovania games, I feel like I'm just going to cry listening to you talk about this game. It sounds so much better. It, it sounds really so is. much better. It really is. Oh, man. It really, really is. I had, okay. so, I had so much fun uh, just, just digging into this game and everything that, like, it came with it, like... You know, paying a lot of attention to the story because I was interested in, like, just, like... Like, I wanted to know, like, who these beings are that I'm talking to. These weird Giger-esque monoliths that are (laughs) absolutely crazy. So I remember posting one screenshot. It was like, oh, hey, look, it's Red Falcon from Super C. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So basically, if I I love myself and want to love myself, I should play Axiom Verge. Abso-freaking-lutely. If I want to punish myself, if I feel like I'm fundamentally bad and I need to be hurt, then I need to go play Harmony of Dissonance. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Cool. Now, whatever, however I'm feeling, I'll know which which path to go down. And maybe other people can know which path they can go down, too. Yeah, go down the Axiom Verge path. You just go down the Axiom Verge path. Harmony of Dissonance. Cut to SoxCast 27. So I played Harmony of Dissonance. (laughs) And everyone just gets, oh. John, he just turns out, he just wants to be punished. He feels he's done something wrong, whether it be in this life or one of the many parallel realities that he inhabits. (laughs) See, if he was was playing a good game, he'd know all about parallel realities. He's going to... There's one where you turn into the frog and the screen says Frog Fractions 2. Surprise. (laughs) That's actually Axiom Verge's ending. Yeah. Yeah. I knew there was a twist. (laughs) But yeah, there's a really cool twist on that game's story and the ending. And I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, because I'm sure that both of you want to play it. As I know a lot of our uh, listeners probably want to as well. But that, that game is... It's a class act. It definitely shows that, you know, five years... Uh, you know, of this guy, like, cause this guy, I think is still working for, um, I don't know if he's still working for a triple a developer, but I know that when he started working on the game, he was working, uh, for electronic arts, I want to say. Um, and like, you know, like they, they asked like if, you know, developing indie games full time was something he wanted to do. And he was just like, no, like this is my hobby. I don't want my hobby to become my work. And I thought oh. that that I thought that that was really admirable because you know like Axiom Verge like it's not a small game like this game's kind of blown up, uh, it's gotten a lot of attention mostly positive, and um, yeah I think that would probably be easy for that guy to you know hire two or three new dudes and crank out you know another Axiom, Axiom Verge game but you know he wants to just keep it simple do his mm-hmm. own thing and I think that that's oh, really that's admirable. admirable. That sounds like the kind of like the Cape Story guy. Yeah, definitely. Poking around on his own makes that makes um, Kira Blaster after ten years. Yeah, yeah. I wish cool. Kira Blaster was better. <laughs> oh, I like that game. I didn't think it was terrible. I just wished it was better. I should get it on my phone because then I'll probably play it like 
three times or something because I have my phone, play my phone games all the time. I on my PC. You kids and your phone games. I yeah. wish it was on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly, Accent Verge sounds like a super blown up version of a lot of the really weird kind of glitch core exploring Absol- games yeah. I've played. And I think that it's more accessible too. Yeah, uh, because it has this very simplistic platformer kind of explory element to it that people are familiar with, but it plays like a lot with its aesthetic, you know, and you know the whole glitch thing, mm-hmm. and, the, and like it all kind of makes sense, like when the story comes together as to why all of this glitching stuff is happening, and like why you are the person that is able to interact with this world in the way that you are. Uh, and, cool. um, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to Pulitzer prize win anything, but I, I really enjoyed the story and where they did it and how they ended it and thought that it really, you know, leaves them wide open for something that could be really mm-hmm. cool next time. If they go the direction, I think they're going. Any more Symphony questions? of the night, Symphony of the night and circle of the moon end with, um, you killing Dracula. <laughs> The ending is that and, and apparently Axiom Verge does, the day. does too. Yeah, Axiom Verge. <laughs> it just sounds like well, it's just like as soon as Dracula popped out, I was like, well, well, I guess they have to keep some things right with these stupid Castlevania <laughs> Metroid games. Yeah, it sounds like if if um you're interested, this sounds interesting. Um, maybe check out um the Michael Brogue um Brog um, Did we ever learn how to pronounce that guy's name? I think it's oh. on his website. Um, I like Brogue because he makes roguelikes. He, like, he makes roguelikes and 868 Hack is fantastic. It's on Steam yeah. for real dirt cheap now. Yeah, yeah. And 868 Hack is great. Corrupt and the game title games are mm. explory puzzle games that play with glitches in very interesting ways. Coolness. Cool. Yeah, and they're free. Um, those are amazing. And Fjords is fantastic. Fjords. Um, I'm gonna check out, and that's not that's not Michael Brogue, but um, no. Sports is excellent. Um, I'm gonna check out Axiom Verge, and maybe love myself. I bet if I bet if I look at Steam right now, John's already got it on his wish list. He just put it on right now. I think it's been on my wish list. Oh, I, I think what I'm going to do is buy it. <laughs> hey, I, I think that it's worth the twenty bucks. <clears throat> I got twenty dollars worth of enjoyment out of that game easily. I, I think, yeah, that sounds like a good buy. That sounds like a nice. Lunch is worth it. Yeah. <laughs> any any more questions about Axiom Verge? It just sounds so nice. When is it going to go on sale? <laughs> he said not until at least October. Exactly. Yeah. So, so. St- still well, waiting. So I can I can at least give you that. I, I I did read that he actually said that like it won't go on yeah. sale to, at any specific you know like any time before October. That's Which makes sense. That's like... that's five months after he released. Yeah, it. that's that fair. sounds that's well, classic. It was on PS4 earlier, so I think yeah, it was, it was like on, nine months. Yeah, it was on PS4 for what two or three months before it came out on Steam. I think this doesn't like this doesn't seem like a game that start that that deserves to that needs to be put on sale for five bucks. No, not five right months now. After it comes out, yeah, every game should be five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you are what's killing gaming. Reed is the voice of the despicable masses. Oh. <laughs> I think being the voice of the despicable masses might have some effect on your, uh, you know, your your socks make people sexy dot net sex, like a... your sex symbol status. I feel like that that could be a good name for a band, like the voice of the despicable masses. <laughs> just be like grindcore, just this <laughs> awful sounding meat grinder music. 
where your songs are literally 20 seconds long and just, like, chugging guitar riffs, blast beats, and a guy screaming his head off. I was really intrigued by that stuff in high school. (laughs) Grindcore? No, not maybe not. Well, I listened to a little bit of it. Basically, anything that was unpleasant, I um, uh, yeah, sampled. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you should talk to Pat. You should definitely talk to Pat if you want to talk unlistenable garbage. <laughs> just go, just fuck me up. Yeah. No, I think I think I'm I think I'm kind of re- moved past that at this point. <laughs> he, he sent me he sent me one song once. Uh, it was it was called "Blame It on God," and I can't remember who it was by, but I remember it just being the most nauseating thing I'd ever heard, and just the most unmusical <laughs> garbage. And it's like, you actually listen to this? You really, for real, honest to God, for really, reals, listen to this? It's garbage. But hey, I listen to garbage music too. Mm-hmm. Uh oh! Nice. Wait, no, not not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what? It's time for everybody's favorite the poly, part the of the poly music hour. The poly music hour, where I talk about music that you don't care about, and it's especially music that my co-hosts don't care about. Oh boy! I'm even interested. better, even better, right? I'm interested. Uh, so Chelsea Wolf put out a new album. She's kind of like a neo neo folk kind of gal, and her music's always very. Um, her, her sound is interesting because she's very rooted in distortion and layers, and kind of like though her lyrics mean a lot and they pertain to a lot of important subjects. She's more into like less about making those lyrics. Um, um, audible and more about using her voice as kind of an instrument in addition to the mayhem that is going on around it uh that i think has always kind of just uh, uh, appealed to me with her and her new album uh abyss which is uh from what i understand a lot of it has to do with uh, her experiences with uh sleep paralysis um but it also has like subtle connotations of diving into the abyss of one's own psyche and like not being scared of what you find um so i kind of like it thematic i liked it thematically you know hearing her talk it up before it was released um but i think like you know in terms of like if you want a sound like what i was just describing this is kind of like her perfect version of that um uh, her previous albums uh, especially uh, apocalypsis um, they're, 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 they, they, they're not bad. Obviously I really like them. Uh, they kind of dabble with what she's trying to do with this album. Um, but she's kind of really nailed it here where they where you're just kind of awash in this guitar and distortion and it's not loudness. It's just like, you wouldn't normally think like this is pleasant to listen to, you know, it's not necessary. Like it's got some black metal influence, I want to say. Um, but it's just like, it's, it's, it's also very atmospheric and weirdly sensual with how her voice kind of like her angelic voice cuts through this, you know, distorted mess that's kind of happening. But like the, but that also kind of like complements the distorted mess because it then becomes melodic by virtue of how she's singing over it. Um, and it's just, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not sensual in the way, say, uh, like an F, like uh, FKA Twigs as uh, LP one is sensual because if you listen to FKA Twigs LP one, uh, the first thing you're going to think after you listen to the album is, huh, I just had sex and I don't know how. 
It's a great album. If you if you ever want to if you ever want to like just listen to an album that makes you feel really good in a really naughty way, even though the, not all of the subject matter is really all that erotic. Uh, yeah, listen to LP One by FKA Twigs. It's really good, and it's really like um, like you know, even though she gets classified as kind of like R and B a lot. Uh, her instrumentals are very spacey. Like, there's not a lot of, like, melody and cohesion to her instrumentals. They're very spacey and daydreamy, and it's just her softly cooing over these things, and it makes me feel funny in all my no-no spots. Um, uh, but yeah, the Chelsea Wolf album, <laughs> Abyss, it's really, really freaking good. Uh, it's, like, it's... <laughs> I didn't expect like to to listen to it and think, wow, I'm pretty sure that's going to be on my year end list of, um, you know, in, in a year that's already given us so much good music, uh, I didn't expect to be adding, you know, just another album there, and there it is, you know, because like you know, I've I've always considered her work good, but like I don't think that it ever reached great until this album. Uh, it's sort of like uh, Saint Vincent's work where. Uh, I liked all of her albums up until her self-titled uh, release last year, but I think that the album she released last year is a perfection of what she's been trying to do. So I kind of think that the St. Vincent record and uh, Chelsea Wolfe's new album are very similar in that they've kind of both reached like what they've been going for all along and perfected that in a way that it's going to be interesting to see how they pivot off of that. Um, so yeah, if you want like weird songs about sleep paralysis and weird diving into your psyche, or if you just want to listen to Woo! something that you might not think will be pleasant at first, but will actually end up surprising you a lot, uh, Chelsea Wolfe's Abyss is definitely one to uh, give a good listen to. And I'm also going to go ahead and throw out a recommendation for, uh, uh, it was actually just released yesterday, uh, FKA Twigs new, um, uh, she put out a 15 minute uh, kind of EP uh, it's, it's spelled like, it's pronounced Melissa, but it's spelled like M three, three, seven, five, five X or something. I don't know how she got Melissa out of that. And her name's <laughs> not, and her name is not Melissa. So who knows where that came from, but it's, uh, even more sensual ear fucky goodness. If you want some of that. Um, and now the album, nobody's going to give a shit about but me. Um, I don't know how familiar. I, I think I've. You think I think you, I'm going to check out that Chelsea Wolf album actually. I think you should. I think you'll like Radical. it. Radical. Um, yeah, that sounds, sounds really cool. Strange and interesting. So, um how many of you have heard of legendary hip hop producer Dr. Dre? I have. You've heard of him. I have. You've heard, heard of, of him. him. <laughs> heard of him. Good. We got a good starting spot. Uh this guy's kind of been in like he's been you know, he's was part of the seminal group, you know, NWA. Um, and, um, make it with tapes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Naked with apes. Absolutely. That's what that stands for. Honest, honest story. I made Naked with apes and kind of coined NWA. And then I looked it up and go, Oh, somebody took that already. Um, but anyway, um, uh, he's been <laughs> like, like, even though he's been like it's such a huge part of where hip hop has come in the last 20 years, he's only released two albums by himself. Uh, and both albums, uh, like one was in uh, 1991, that was The Chronic. Uh, and in 1999, he released 2001. And ever since 2001 came out, he, like him and like other people in the industry have been hyping this new album that he had been supposedly working on 
for 16 years <laughs> called Detox. And, um, like, this album's kind of like Ben, the Chinese democracy uh, that Axl Rose had been working on. Uh, and it's just like, we would hear bits and pieces of Detox over the years, and it's just like, you know, and it's just like a couple of years ago, like, a couple of songs that were actually slated to be on it actually were released as singles, and they were really bad. Like, dreadful oh, really? bad. Oh. Like, nothing good about them at all. And um, it was only just, like, August 1st that he was uh, doing an interview and was asked, like, uh, okay, I've got to ask the question, where's Detox? And he was just like, you know, I, I just didn't like it. It wasn't living up to my expectations, no matter what I did. No matter what I did with that thing, I didn't like it. And you know, I can admire that that a guy could spend sixteen years on something, and just like at the end of the day, be like, "This isn't good enough for me to put my name on. This isn't good enough for me to ask money for." Um, but at the same time, he was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I'm releasing an album this Friday called Compton." It was like, "What?" <laughs> You're doing what? And like, and I know that like a lot of the first reactions to this were like, "Oh, he's just repackaging Detox," and that's not the case at all because everything that's on uh, Compton, like, there's nothing that sounds like anything that has already been heard, and you know, from you know, like those sessions. So uh, he said basically that while they were consulting with him for the NWA biopic straight out of Compton, that he had gotten inspired again to sort of like go back and re-examine what he does musically and how like music has not only affected his lives but how his music and the music that he's been involved with affected the industry as a whole and he wanted to make an album that was sort of like an encapsulation of that um and that's where the sessions for compton started um so i think that it comes from a more inspired place than uh, detox was ever coming from uh, because it was basically just going to be, oh, hey, I'm making another album, you know, and, and this is obviously from a place where, you know, he's given it time to sort of have some self-reflection on the influence he's had on others. And um, the thing that I've always liked about Dr. Dre is that he's never the star of his own albums uh, because at heart he is a producer uh, and he's always used his albums as a launching pad for younger artists uh you know like for the chronic you know we wouldn't know who snoop dogg is if the chronic had never come out um uh in a large part i don't think most people would know who eminem was if 2001 hadn't come out so he's always used his work oh. as a way to launch younger artists rather than draw rather than that's point, really nice that rather than point you know at himself because he knows that you know at heart he is a way better producer than he is a rapper um, and like, and it's no secret at this point that like he doesn't write you know the uh, most of the lyrics that he raps. You know, he appears on his albums because it's fun for him. But the most joy that he gets out of doing music is actually being a really damn good producer. And I think that he's more than a producer and more than a beat maker, and he's more of a songwriter um, because like the music that he puts together, and I'm you know, I'm talking about Compton now as well. Uh, the music that he puts together is structured more like songs and less than like, like, cause when you listen to most rap music, you're going to get a pretty straight beat throughout the whole song. Whereas he has a very ingenious ways of either changing up beats entirely in the middle of a song or adding little things that 
in the grand scheme may not seem like they're that big of a deal, but like when you closely listen to what he's doing with an instrumental, it's like, oh, holy crap, no, this song just took on like a whole new feeling because, oh, he threw in this weird little guitar lick uh, from a guy that came in the studio and laid it down for him. It's like, holy shit, it does sound like it me, you know, like he's emphasizing parts of songs where I think a lot of producers and rappers kind of just like are more than content to just kind of like ride a beat, whereas he is constructing songs and letting people rap over them. Um, and uh, he's doing a lot of the same stuff on this album of, you know, like there's a lot of younger guys that I'd never heard of. Like I'd never heard of a guy called King Mez. I'd never heard of Anderson Pack. And now it's just like, I want to hear what those guys do in the future because like Dr. Dre is really good about pulling latent talent out of people. He's a, like, and, and this is even with people that have grown long complacent and been in the game for a long time. You know, it's like uh, Snoop Dogg. I haven't, I couldn't, I haven't been able to stand anything he's done in years. But on this album, he has two verses that are just like more fired up and supercharged than anything he's done in ten years. And it's just like, where is that Snoop Dogg been? Like, and it's just like, it's just amazing. Like from like almost from front to back, there's a, there's only one track on Compton. I don't like, uh, and it's because it it does is the only track on the album that does feel like a detox kind of like lift over. Um, and it's got like a Eminem rapping about making the bitches he rapes come, which I think is really fucking gross and sick. And, and it's just like on your really like, and the thing is like, if you look back at the chronic, it's a very immature album with a lot of immature themes and just kind of really gross to listen to. I think 2001 is very similar, whereas Compton is a very grown-up record. Like the like the, the themes that a lot of the people on this album are hitting are just a lot more grown-up and a lot more inward thinking and a lot more socially conscious. Um there's a track on here called uh, Animals which is like um it's about being black and feeling like you're in a zoo because the only time that the media ever wants to pay attention to you is when things are going bad or mm-hmm. when you're or, or as the lyric puts it you know you only want to come around when we're fucking shit up you know and it's just like that's really really poignant shit and to like have Eminem dropping that kind of bullshit on an album that you know is so forward thinking and not only in terms of it's just immaculate production but just like where the lyrics go and you know just how everybody that's on here seems to be either trying to cement their legacy or trying to get a point across or something like that to just have that album like to have that song on the album just feel so out of place and just not you know it, 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 it threw me off at first you know but uh thankfully i can just delete it from the playlist and it's never <laughs> part of it um uh but good god yeah uh that album is just front to back a really great rap record that uh, surprised the hell I think out of a lot of people because you know when a guy's been working 16 years on a project and then just kills it you know and then it's just like oh yeah well I did this album in about five months and it's just like well <laughs> and it's just like well it's like where where was that inspiration all along how come you couldn't do that before you know so I went into the album with a lot of doubt and then it's just like you know uh, after the intro track, and as soon as it transitions into that first track, I, I immediately was just like, fuck, it's on. This is good. This is going to be fantastic. And I was not wrong. So yeah, that is a really, really good record. 
cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's about really, really cool. And that's that's really all I've been up to. Just you know, really good game, really good music. Things have been pretty good the last couple of weeks. Cool. Don't have much to complain about. What about you, Rhett? What have you been doing? I played all the video games. Yeah, I, I'm looking at your list here, and I see <laughs> that it definitely says all the video games. Yeah, it's a short list just says all. Yeah, yeah. We just come to expect that from you these days, yeah. I think. Uh, quick story from Biting of Isaac. Uh, Northern Lion has been playing The Lost a couple times lately. Mm-hmm. Episode so, 666. Yeah, that was a good one. That was really good. So just for the hell of it, I loaded up the game, and I picked The Lost, and I didn't like do the restart thing. Where, you know, you go into the curse room. You go into the curse room, and then if there's nothing there, you just yeah. hold hold R. Or you look for a item room next to the start. No, I, I just picked the lost and went. Yeah. And I fucking won. Hell yeah, you did! It was so fucking cool. Is it still not, like, one of the best feelings ever to win with the lost? It's amazing. Did you have, I, like, nine lives or, like... I got... So I got nine lives on Womb 2. Oh, I made it that far without getting hit. Damn. And then I think I finally got hit on Shoal. Wow. I even did the the dark room path for the hell of it because I was feeling so confident. Hell yeah. And the really funny thing, so I I wrote the seed down because early on in like, I think it was Caves 1, Mm -hmm. one of the item rooms was Blood Rites. Mmm. Which is an item, for those that don't know, it does damage to you at the expense of doing a bunch of damage to enemies in the room. Mm-hmm. So you can't use it as a loss because you'll just die. Yeah. So eventually I found, I think, blank cards, so I traded Blood Rites out for that. And then in, like, Necropolis 2 was Isaac's heart. Oh, my God! So You're I'm invincible! Like, so I'm like, motherfucker, I had a fucking win, and I threw it away. And then I still won anyways. That's not only like that's not only a win. Blood rights plus Isaac's heart is yeah. an instant win. Plus you can pl- plus you can play Demon Judgments like for free. Oh wow! Yeah, so I went back on that seed with Isaac and just demolished it for the hell of it. God, doesn't don't like those crazy good runs in that game still feel good? Even like the, yeah. even though you've unlocked everything and like been like, because I'm still playing the game. I just had like mm. a crazy ass run the other night myself. It wasn't a lost run, but I got like yeah. I had like epic hack, and then I got Godhead, and I don't <laughs> oh know how God. it ha- and I don't know how it happened because I don't think that it's supposed to happen. But I also got Sacred Heart. I think I got Sacred Heart on my first God run unlock because like because basically like the like Godhead and Sacred Heart are like they're classified as special items, meaning mm-hmm. that like if you grab one special item there's a, a 50% chance that if that item comes up for you, it'll be re-rolled in the background. So, yeah. you, won't, so you won't see it again. But I ended up getting, like, Ipecac, Godhead, uh, and Sacred Heart, and it was just stupid. I was Is hoping... It... I was only hoping for sad moms <laughs> at that point. Oh, my God. Is Ipecac special? Uh, I don't think, think it so, is. no. Yeah. It's mostly it can... relegated to stuff like Brimstone, uh, Death's Touch, yeah. uh, things like that. So, yeah, that... That game's cool. That it's game's... weird. When I was, like, 90% done with items, I kind of got depressed that I was, like, kind of towards the end. But, like, it was a lot of grinding to get everything. But once I had 100% of everything, like, it's kind of, like, refreshing. Yeah, because, like, everything is open to you now. Like, you yeah, have, like, like, every single bit of potential that you can get out of a run is now there. Yeah, that's a cool feeling. It's a good way of putting it, too. Yeah, so, like, even when, like, like unlocking stuff, that's fun. 
And even when you've got everything unlocked, it's still fun. <laughs> yeah. It's such a good game. Give me Afterbirth. Yeah, pretty much. I'm just like, give it to me. Good I want God. the new Edmund, mode. Edmund's I want already, daily challenges. Edmund is already floating around the word stillbirth as well. <laughs> I think that was a joke, but he's I, also talking about Isaac too. Yeah, so it's just like, what are you doing? And he's got a game coming out uh, in a few days, I think, too, called yeah. Fingered. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. They're it's like, kind of like a whodunit. Weird. It's a whodunit kind of thing. Oh, really? Where, where huh. you, like, you, like, read testimonies, and then you finger the person that committed the crime. What Jinky. was the name of it? Fingered. Oh. <laughs> yeah. John, are you thinking naughty things? Stop that. I thought you said fjords. <laughs> I was like, Fjord. oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I just looked up the Lost, and so the way to unlock that's really ridiculous, right? It's yeah. fucking stupid. <laughs> it's stupid, and yeah, yeah, but but it's just like what the Lost is, and like yeah, you know, he he can't be hit. You're not allowed to be hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has no, no life bar. But that also have, means, but he can also does he have t- extra lives? No, By only default, if you find no. them. Only if By you find default, them. By default, so you have to find them. Yeah. Um, but but Dang. but he can also but he but his advantage also is that. He can also take, like, all angel, or not angel, but he can take all devil deals for free because he doesn't have a life bar. Mm-hmm. So, like, he can get really overpowered really quick. And since cool. you, and since, like, and since, and since finding, like, devil rooms is dependent on not taking red heart damage on a floor, you're almost guaranteed to get them uh, after every floor. So Yeah. It's funny, on that seed that I played twice because it was so good, the first devil deal was just red chests, but one of them had goat head in it. Oh, wow. So it's like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so good. Goat head lets you always get uh, devil deals no matter what. Yeah. Mm, cool. John, and you then, need to play that game. I should, yeah. Now that maybe I'm considering starting to love myself again. <laughs> there you go. Since the only the only really, really great games <laughs> I played were... Um, Bloodlines, Castlevania One, and Simon's Quest. So and ten billion wives <laughs> and ten billion wives. Yeah, I, I left that one off. And, and we both, Anna and I both have been playing a clicker game, and Anna finally deleted it off her phone to get today. <laughs> but I'm so close to the end that <laughs> you're still not at ten billion. No, no, it doesn't end when you hit ten billion. Oh. I'm in the hundred quadrillions. Okay. Oh, um, but I'm about to get all the secret illustrations and whatnot. Ooh. They're very nice. <laughs> and completely tame and nice. They're just cute, just like the whole game. <laughs> uh, so Binding of, Isaac sounds, into, right? Binding of <laughs> Isaac sounds much better. Yes, Binding of Isaac, it's a game if you, you play if you love yourself. Yes. Because yes, it's hard. a game about loving yourself. It's a game about love. It's got all the positive messages you could ever want. <laughs> and poop. And poop. Lots of poop. More games, more games need poop. Metal Gear Solid 4 <laughs> has poop. Look how good that game is. When I did when this I, Q&A uh, on Tumblr, and one of the questions was, what's your favorite mechanic in any game you've made? And his answer was shooting, shooting the poop, poop at Isaac. <laughs> uh, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be something, though, if we came back in two weeks and I was like, yeah, I played Metal Gear Solid 4 and Portable Ops and Peace Walker. <laughs> and, and Ground Zeroes, I'm getting prepared for Zeroes. five. I'll, I'll probably like I will probably be talking about Metal Gear Solid Four next time because I'm I'm gonna replay it. Oh, cool! Oh, I thought you were gonna say Metal Gear Solid Five. I I kind of want to play Five, but I don't. You know, we'll talk about it. It's it, yeah. it's your turn. Okay, <laughs> keep going. 
the main thing I played this week was Stealth Inc. 2. Oh, I really, really like that first game. Mm-hmm. Well, good news. Oh? I think this, I think this oh. one's way better. Oh, really? Didn't yeah. I get? Didn't I gift you Stealth Bastard? Yeah, on, you on gifted. Steam? Yeah, this was a that game was nice. that was originally named uh, Stealth Bastard, uh, and they changed mm-hmm. it. They changed the name and branding when they got uh, released on consoles. But yeah, this is sort of like a kind of a Masso core platformer, but it's got like a really cool stealth aspect to it. And like, uh, if you think like <laughs> of games like Mark of the Ninja and stuff, where you're given vision cones and stuff. Uh, you like everything you need to know about your character being hidden is all right there for you to know. So it's really cool. That's not how I would describe these games at all. They really? are puzzle games. Well, yeah, they are very much puzzle games. Uh, especially like, core games are kind of puzzle games. A lot of the times, and I'm not sure about the mass core part either. Okay, I think it's I think it's pretty damn mass core. I died a lot playing that first game, <laughs> but the checkpoints are so forgiving in these games. That's a good like, point. But, even but more the checkpoints so than... are but the checkpoints are so forgiving in Super Meat Boy. If you, format, the games you, have to be hard to I mean, be listen, If you think about each you if you think about each stage of Super Meat Boy, it's about thirty seconds <laughs> long. If you think about each checkpoint in Stealth Bastard, it's about thirty seconds long. Let's be real here. I think that it can apply. And there's a certain humor when you hit a button and it just drops a laser on you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, Stealth Inc. 2, uh, it adds an overworld Ooh. to fill in between the areas. Whoa, cool. So uh, tell me if you've heard this one before. There's a little map, mm-hmm. and it's got a grid. It shows <laughs> which rooms connect to each other. Oh, no. And it's color-coded for major areas, <laughs> and it has a little completion percentage there. <laughs> I might know a thing or two about this. I think that... In this podcast, we have probably previously yeah. talked about games like that. A game where you, you fill in a map. Right, right. So I had no idea this was in the game. I didn't either. So I start the game and I'm like, oh, this first level is really weird. I'm just kind of wandering through empty hallways and stuff and this this guy's trying to kill me. And then I pause the game and it says map. I'm like, what? And then I look at the map and I'm just what? like, oh my god, it's a fucking Metroidvania. <laughs> Bleep. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not bleeping them anymore. I'm tired of it. <laughs> cool. But then you do find like actual test chambers that kind of are off on their own, doing their own thing. So it's, for the so first it's, game. So it's just like each test chamber, like a certain series of levels, or is it just like one big level that you go into from that hub world? Uh, each each door is one level. Okay. And you like each world has eight doors. Okay. So the way it's kind of formulated is that for everything past the first world, each one will have, like, a tool that it focuses on. Mm-hmm. Like, one's kind of an inflatable balloon, one's, like, a thing that lets you hack enemy robots. Mm-hmm. And then once you complete that set of levels, you get that item to use in the open world. Oh! I like so it re- that! It really is kind of a Metroidvania, because then you can explore more and get little collectibles and stuff. Uh, the, kind of the main problem is that there's really nothing of meaning in the open world besides finding the next level. Uh... And it's very focused that you basically will, I'm pretty sure you have to just do every level in order. Yeah. Like, there's no kind of finding 1-3 before 1-2. It's just... Because when you beat the level, like, walls will open up to allow you to keep going. Ah, uh, I see, I see. 
So that's, but that's not very, like it's not like that big of a bummer that it's not super engaging because that's not what I come to that original no. game for. So, and it's weird because the open world is kind of empty at first. It's like not very challenging because you're kind of just in the lobby of the testing place. Mm-hmm. But then as the game goes and you have more tools to use in the open world area, like that stuff's almost harder than the chambers itself. Oh, really? Because you'll get like <clears throat> traveling between puzzles or tra- traveling between chambers will have like a puzzle itself that requires like multiple tools to be completed. I think that's really cool though. Yeah. And I assume Which, that you can use these tools not only in the open world but in the levels themselves. Well, like once you beat like the second set of levels, you get the balloon to use in the open world, but then when you go to the third set of levels, it'll only let you use the hack tool in those levels. Okay, so it's just they're each centered around one specific upgrade. Yeah. Okay, okay. And then you eventually get all those upgrades in the open world. I see. I see. So yeah, I just think that's a really cool game, and got a gr- the tools are really good this time. Like I don't remember loving the tools in the original one. Yeah, they weren't so great. But this one is like entirely focused on that stuff, so they do really good things with it. They did some cool uh, DLC for uh, the original game. Like I think it was called a Game of Clones. Um, and oh, it was just like, wait, were... <clears throat> that's, that's the subtitle for this one. Oh, okay. I'm thinking maybe of teleporter trouble or something. Okay. There. That's, but, that's probably it. Because you could like drop teleporters and then just like throw a teleporter across the room and then fall down into a teleporter and fall back out or use objects in the same way or route lasers around a room, things like that. I think I do remember playing that in the original game. Yeah. Yeah. In this one, that's kind of still there at the end. You just like basically straight up get a portal gun. Yeah. We're in this super cool. Because in the original, I think it was just you had a portal. Yeah. And this one, you have a blue portal and an orange portal. Oh well, hey, you're gonna if you're gonna be inspired, be inspired by a really damn good game. Yeah. So those puzzles get pretty mind bending at the end, and there's one that's like a clone gun, so you can make copies of yourself. And then a lot of the puzzle is that whichever clone was first is kind of deemed where the camera looks. Oh. So in order to go on, you might have to have that one die. So that the camera moves over to the other one. <laughs> so there's like levels where it's just like kill yourself, kill yourself, throw a clone, kill yourself, throw a clone, kill yourself. <laughs> it's a, it's it, reminds a me, it reminds me yeah. of this other platformer I remember. I think it was called Life is Beautiful or something, uh, where you you literally like in oh, order yeah. to complete levels, you have to kill dudes in order to like walk over their corpses and stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> I forget what that's called. Like. I keep thinking life is strange now, but that's obviously not it. No, that's that's the story game. I think, yeah. I, I think it's life is beautiful. Huh. Anyways, there's also a little bit more story focus in Stealth Inc. 2. Like, mm-hmm. there's cutscenes where you're meeting the guy who's running the test chambers. Like, he's the one displaying those words on the wall, taunting you all the time. Uh-huh. I always really liked that. I thought that was a, a, a clever yeah. little concept of just, like, displaying the words and taunting you. Mm-hmm. So now there's, like, kind of a character arc to him as you go through the game, and he gets madder that you won't die, because he really wants you to die. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's pissed off at you, and, you, and you're just running around the facility. <laughs> <laughs> That's and awesome. They, they referenced the ending of the first game, which was that completely out of left world <laughs> nonsense. I thought that was great. This like, just You were just testing spy goggles to put uh, in Happy Meals. Yeah. So this game acknowledges that. So all these stupid test chambers are just to test these dumb toys. 
but I like they're it. killing hundreds and hundreds of clones doing it. It's just, it's dark. <laughs> it's dark, but it's really endearing. And it's, I feel this game really kind of got overlooked because it came out originally as a Wii U exclusive. Yeah. And I think people that pay, played it on PC or other consoles really didn't like that. I just haven't gotten around to it, personally. Yeah. Like, I, it's definitely on my, hey, I'm gonna get this list. Yeah. And even more now that you're talking it up, like, you know, I'm definitely yeah. excited again. Cool. It just seems like when it came out everywhere else, like... It just got written up. off. It got yeah. written off really quickly. And that's mm-hmm. too bad, because I really like it. I saw it. the first game on my Steam queue. <laughs> I should play it. Yeah, I think, like, you got me the first one, didn't you, John? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and that... then I got it for myself, and then never played it. I really, <laughs> enjoy... Yeah, I really enjoyed that game. It was good. The cool. miracle of Steam. Yeah. Yep. You buy games, you gift games. I bought, don't I bought actually it play twice, them. and I've never played it. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, shared I've... the joy with others, though. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I played Rocket League some more. Oh, baby. They got a big update. Yeah, they added a new map, which doesn't really matter because all the maps right now are just the same kind of bull shape. I thought that, like, this map was kind of, like, throwing people off, though, because it's, like, half of it is dark and the other half is light and there are, like, weird wall configurations or something. Well, it's, like, it's the... Structurally, it is the same, but it has an open sky. You just can't see the wall. And that really throws people off. Because it looks like a half pipe, but it's not. You can just drive. You can just keep driving up into the air. (laughs) And, like, the ball ball will bounce off the air. So it's it's weird. But it's really pretty. Cool. Uh, I feel I kind of shortchanged that game when I first talked about it two episodes ago. That game's really, really fun. It, It looks positively, stupidly amazing. Yeah. I started playing uh, ranked mode instead of just kind of random pickup games. Mm-hmm. And you just get people that like care about winning more in ranked mode, so there's not people just like dropping out constantly. Didn't they so. institute a, a penalty for people that leave games early now? Yeah, in ranked only, though. Because uh-huh. like, if you drop out of a game in like kind of the normal, just whatever mode, like mm-hmm. they'll get replaced by a bot, mm-hmm. and then somebody could join that and replace the bot. So it's also annoying when you pick that mode because sometimes you'll just join a game that's like 50 seconds from ending. Oh. So I only play rank now because you always start at the start of the game and then if anybody drops, they're just gone, which sucks, but that doesn't happen very much. But I hear they get like a weird suspension for it as well. Yeah. Like they're not allowed to play for, I don't know how long it is. It's 15 minutes. It's not that bad. No. Oh. But you don't want people to drop because it sucks. Yeah, that's really shitty. That's yeah. a real shitty thing to do. But just, like, the level of competition, and, like, now I've gotten up to, like, Silver League. Oh. So people give a shit about winning now. So you're getting good. Yeah. So I've had a few people get, like, really mad when they're losing. Uh Uh-oh. There was this one guy. I was playing at, like, 5 a.m., and then we get a goal, and I just hear somebody on the other team, Get your fucking shit together, boys! (laughs) (laughs) This, like, weird accent. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Goddamn soccer hooligans. Yeah. And then he ended up winning. I mean, he was all happy. I'm like, oh. Most people don't talk, though. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, that I try not to talk. I just use a little preset, like, nice shot emotes. Yeah. But yeah, that game's really damn fun. 
Yeah, it's just like I, I, I watch people play that game a lot. Like I see people like, like uh, it's typically like usually how Northern Lion ends his streams by playing with friends and stuff. And it's just like yeah. that game's so fun. It's just like I would play it, but like I really only want to play it with friends. And yeah. I and I don't know like three other friends that have it. So I think on the new update, you can actually make a private game and have people from PS4 and Steam join together. Oh. You're tempting me. Yeah, but you can't. It's weird. You like can't make a party because the the PS4 party system is so weird. But you can make a private game with a password. That's really cool. At least so it's a nice little workaround. It's a good concession to how Sony has their infrastructure set up. Yeah, it's not even that. That I think they just straight up said like that's too complicated for us. Like doing a cross-platform party thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We want to focus on other things. Uh, I think I, I was trying to remember where I'd heard people talk about um, Rocket League a bunch, and I realized it was when I listened to the Sauce oh, cast that right. it wasn't on. <laughs> Y'all talked about it a bunch. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I remember this game from. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't going to talk about this, but Rock Grumbler apparently really wanted us to. I played Sonic Dreams. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah. That's Maybe. a weird... It's by, the, it's by the Bubsy 3D people, right? Yeah. Isn't there, yeah some, isn't there some weird kind of like they stole it from this person yeah, kind of that's thing kinda going why, on? Yeah. And it's kind of why I'm staying away from it because it sounds like they're stealing somebody's work. Uh, yeah. And that's that, not cool at all. Kind of the main piece of it is called Sonic Movie Maker and it seems that might have been kind of lifted from some open source thing made uh, by somebody else. Yeah. And that's uh, pretty lame. Yeah, apparently, like, uh, I think it was, I want to say it was a woman who did uh, the Sonic Movie Maker thing, and, uh, like, uh, it's also, unfortunately, a woman of color as well. Yeah. And, uh, basically, like, when she, like, you know, like, when she released, like, they released it, she was pro, you know, she was promptly, had all of her permissions taken away, and she asked why, and and they basically just told her, it was never your game to begin with. Jesus. So yeah, it's, 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 that's kind oh, of and they're why the, they're the people that made Room of a Thousand Snakes too, and I love that. Yeah, it's kind of why I'm staying away from it until I see how that shakes out. Mm-hmm. Normally, like I understand that you know you can like things even if they're made by problematic people, but something yeah. about that just really does not settle well with me at all. No, for sure. Yeah, that's it's shitty. weird too because like that is like the centerpiece of the whole thing. So yeah. it's like, what did you guys do else then? Because one of the games is like a blank screen that nobody knows how to get into yet. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's a weird situation, but Hey, it, Sonic movie maker is fucking great though. It, the, the, the absurd things I've seen people make. Uh, huh. it's, 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 it's absurd. It's the only it, word I can think of. It's absurd and it, really it, stupid. It takes you on a trip. Yeah. It's a trip through Sonic fandom. Oh my god! And as a, it, it, it's the, ask yourself, is that a trip you want to take? Yes, you do. <laughs> so I just found out, like when this thing came out, it was like five a.m. I'm like, fuck it, five a.m. Sonic Dreams. I have no idea what to expect because I didn't look up anything before playing it. And then I played that thing. I'm like, oh god, <laughs> I need to go to bed now. <laughs> Yeah, I think the main thing she did was it, the game itself can record vines directly mm-hmm. and post them, and that's really cool. Yeah, 
It's like this mm-hmm. perfect viral marketing machine. Yeah. And, like, they put a tweet button in the game. It's like that Alpha Bear kind of thing, where how it kind of just went viral because people were posting screenshots, and, like, the only reason I looked up Alpha Bear and then bought it, uh, you know, and then bought, like, the $5 infinite honey thing was because people were talking about it and i couldn't stop seeing it everywhere and then you started posting screenshots and i'm like what the heck is that thing yeah it's, it's spread like wildfire it it's and that's really really what sonic dreams is doing so yeah that's an interesting <laughs> thing yeah and then like game grumps played it and their yeah. video has like half a million views after a day it's like jesus yep. christ damn <laughs> Yeah, that, they did a response to the allegations at one point. Um, oh, really? Yeah. See, I couldn't find anything. What did they say? Um, we, it was a miscommunication. We're really sorry. We've removed our credit from the thing uh, from and did this and this. We'll try to do what we can to fix things. But, you know, I, I have no idea how, if that, how valid that is. And my gut is to side with. Yeah is to just kind of side align myself with the person who's getting screwed probably because then it's like because of who made this people are like maybe this is part of the viral marketing it's like oh my god no this definitely sounds bigger than that when it comes when it comes to people making video games you can probably if somebody says they're doing something shitty you can probably just trust them (laughs) yeah uh, and I watched some more anime. Oh, boy. Woo! You kids love anime, right? I love it. I can't stop watching it, like, all the time. It's just like, you look at <laughs> you look at my TV, it's just like, oh, hey, check it out. Anime boobs, 24 hours a day. That's me. That's me. I would love a TV like that. <laughs> a, TV <that's, laughs> a TV that is just anime boobs? Yeah. Uh, I, I think f- I'm going to make a Game Maker game just for you. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anime... I was trying to make a Sonic Dreams joke, but I can't think of anything. It's you put on a vo- virtual Oculus Rift and it's just anime boobs, <laughs> and you're and you're sitting next to Sonic the Hedgehog for some oh, reason. Oh God, <laughs> it's weird. Or oh, it's like that wall of boobs in Tatami Galaxy. Oh God, that's fu- oh wow, that's some weird. I imagery. forgot about that. That's some weird imagery. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, Fate so State Night. Oh, boy. I, I bitched about that show a little bit last episode. Yeah. I dropped that shit like a half potato. potato <laughs> you dropped that shit like a half potato? Yeah. I said, this half ain't good, and threw it on the ground. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. Is it the Nasuverse or yeah. the Titanuniverse? They're the same thing. I know, but, you know, which which one's correct? Are I they both Nas- Nasuverse. Well... I don't. I really don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, because, <laughs> because if it's Nazuverse, because he's the author, then Fate Zero wouldn't be part of that because he wasn't the author of that, good and point. that was good. That's true. It wouldn't be so much simpler if Fate Zero didn't exist, because then oh, you could I'm just so... ignore it. <laughs> then we could just ignore this whole thing. No, but Fate Zero is so good, though. I know. I'm just saying. I'm not saying it makes things. Be- it would have made things better. It just would have made things simpler. You could just section off yeah. fates, fate, stay, whatever, into the Sword Art Online, whatever, bullshit. <laughs> the Sword Art Online. The bullshit Kyle. trash. The bullshit-averse. Uh-huh. Yes. So yeah, I, I watched a few more episodes of that, and I'm just like, 
this show is fucking boring. Nothing's <laughs> happening. But like, not in a not. Meh. They just they talk and they strategize and nothing fucking happens. And like, that's so different from Fate Zero. Yeah, it's like so. As a thing, I was like, I'm gonna compare what was happening in Fate Zero versus what's happening in Fate Stay right now. So it's like Fate Stay Night, Episode 11. Rin comes over to Shiro's house, and he's all blushing and shit because there's a girl in his house, which makes no sense because he's already had Saber, Sakura, and Tiger Sensei there. Jesus so why Christ. are you so freaked out over having a girl over? So then I went... It's I them thigh over. highs, man. That's, that's going to do it. Yes. So I popped over to Fate Zero, and Episode 11 is Saber, Gilgamesh, and... Ryder. Ryder, sitting in a circle, discussing the meaning of what it means to be a king. <laughs> And it's this really cool discussion, like their philosophies are super thematic, coming against each other, and it ends with like Saber breaking down and crying, oh. and then there's, like a big action climax. And then too, there's a big action scene where assassins attacking, and Ryder kicks their ass, and it's fucking awesome. And I'm like, this show is just so much better. Like it summons the world, the reality pocket or whatever it is, yeah, and to destroy them all. So, oh my some, god, some Nazuverse bullshit. <laughs> yeah, Fade Zero like, makes the Nazu makes sells the Nasuverse bullshit. It does, yeah. I'm just like, that episode was awesome, and it was still mostly talking. But mm-hmm. Fate Stay Night is just so boring. So I just you dropped I, that. I gave up. Well, bad, I read bad, some... bad shows die when they are killed. <laughs> <laughs> just because read... you're right doesn't mean you're correct. <laughs> I read some reviews too. And it seemed like the idea was, yeah, I know this show started off pretty good, but it gets really bad. It just gets really bad in the second half, and all that good action just starts going away. Oh, yeah. Then I start, yeah, seeing stuff that people are like, oh, the second half's not as good. I'm like, what? It gets worse? <laughs> I'm out. Boom. Half potatoed. And, and then even then, Fate Zero gets much better in the second half. Yeah. Like, I it's know. this really fun action show in the first half and then it just just gets amazing you get backstory on kiritsugu i remember say his name kitsurigu kitsurigu i don't know (laughs) japanese pronunciation ragu yeah it is kiritsugu oh god he's terrifying too he is the polar opposite of his son (laughs) Mm -hmm. where he is I will sacrifice whatever it's necessary to win. Mm. And Shiro is this boring, I won't let anybody get hurt. Nobody's no gotta die. I'm a wiener. Uh-huh. Without making it, without actually really delving into that, like a trigon or whatever. I think this might by the end, because Archer is kind of set up as his opposite in this. Uh-huh. And like, like those reviews said, like they knew what to do with them and not any other character. Mm-hmm. It's just I just don't care enough to get to that point. Hmm. So then I started watching Himoto Umaro Chan. Uh, what's that? Which is it's just this cute little comedy that happens to have the exact same premise as my little sister can't be this cute. Oh <laughs> no. So it's just about this girl who is this kind of model picturesque perfection like she does good in school she gets she's good at sports everybody likes her she's hard she, and then she goes home and she's a total fucking weeb and sits around drinking cola and playing video games and 
and only her brother knows her secret. <gasps> so it's like literally the exact same setup, but this is just kind of cute fluff and not weird incest overtones. That aren't really ever overtones because the show delivers well, on that. By season two, yeah, I got <laughs> like that apparently. Oh my god. But anyways, the thing that got me to watch this show is that when she becomes her otaku form, she literally like morphs into this SD blob thing that's really cute. <laughs> and she puts on this like she puts on this hamster hoodie. <laughs> and it's really cute. So this is just like feel good fluff for you to watch in the yeah. evening. Yeah, I haven't watched too much of it because I watched a little show called Steven Universe. Did you know? Whatever could have led yeah. to this decision. Well, the part where John talked for like six months about how it's the greatest show ever <laughs> did nothing for me. But then Polly's play. But then Polly it. was like, I watched five episodes and I'm like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> And then Reed's in, and Raquel's in, and Chelsea's in. I don't know about we, them yet. Oh, they watched it. They, or at least they started watching it. They started. Yeah, me and me and Frez shouting from the rooftops for six <laughs> shouting months. Shouting so months. much. For yeah, so it's like long. It's, it's like yeah, you shouted full volume. It was just like <laughs> the, it was like this giant gaping mouth that never stopped making noise for six months straight <laughs> in my head. <gasps> So, uh, and then Polly watches it. Okay. Yeah, that shows I guess it good. might be good. <laughs> Alright, so you can go on. <laughs> it's it's interesting how that show has changed through its run, because I'm actually all caught up now. Yes, like, we both I are. really watched it. <laughs> we both really watched the hell out of some Steven Universe, and we're both fully caught up. Because I, I'll be honest, I thought it was a little slow at the start. Yeah. And I don't mm-hmm. love the 11-minute episode thing. Like, especially early on, it kind of feels like every episode has the same pacing of, like, rising action and then, like, a conflict and then they resolve it and really quickly and then, oh, it's over. And then mm-hmm. episode 25 and 26 happen and there is a revelation about the stuff they've been fighting. Yeah. And, and I think, oh, this is a game changer. But they changed the game by just not having any more Monster of the Week episodes after that. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, what are you going to do now? And it's just a lot of character kind of drama stuff and backstory, and it's, it's really good. And it's yep. kind of mixed with these really cute, innocent episodes where it's more of like learning a life lesson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like developing the side characters who live in the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're really like Sadie. Yeah. I really like Sadie. And, yeah. And, like, like uh, the bubble episode was where I kind of was like, yeah, like, I, I see where the show's going to start going, and I dig it. Which one is that around? Uh, that's, that's like the first. First talks to Connie? Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, Connie. <laughs> and, like, how they kept, like, the whole thing up with, like, her glasses, like, her popping the lenses out. But oh, she my still, God, yeah. But she kept wearing them. And it was just like, they kept that going forward until, you know, like the episode where they had um, dinner with uh, Connie's parents. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh! So I guess like, at some point, you know, they had the talk of like, hey, yo, dog, this is my life now. Dig it. Mm-hmm. God. That show, that show, um, 
it goes places. Yeah. I think that show is really psychological. I think it has a bunch of big cast of characters, and I think it develops them really well. Yeah. Yeah. I like how... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I said, like, a couple times, it feels like the show's almost spiral-shaped, where the plot's there and it matters, but really it's just kind of, like, circling around, closing in on these different characters. It circles around. It's like a pleasant Mm. toilet bowl to be in. Exactly. <laughs> it feels like it feels like all of these things were here to start with and we're just kind of finding these different layers of things that were already here. Like finding more out about Sadie and Lars and what was already there present about their relationship. And and, and uh, the kindergarten. And the kindergarten. Ugh. That was that was heavy shit. That was really heavy shit. And you don't expect a character like that, the way yeah. that that character acts to have you know that, but it's just like, oh, you act the way you do because, and that—that that is your personality. But you're trying to hide something. You're mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to suppress things that you mm-hmm. don't really want to think about. She doesn't like thinking about herself. It was really uh, sad. I, it's, oh I, man, that episode left me genuinely sad for that character. Uh, yeah, it's really effective. Yep. <sighs> and she kind of had her little resolution now, and now it's all in pearl. Yeah. Pearl. Uh, Pearl. Oh my god, Pearl. <laughs> oh, she's got just, some deep-seated uh, issues. Oh, man. I've okay. John, I've yeah? messaged John like four times after different episodes with just Pearl and then a sad face. <laughs> that's appropriate. Yeah, that sounds it, about it, right. It keeps happening. It's just... <laughs> Pearl. Yeah, she's 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 definitely I think the character that's still got a long ways to go. Like I don't think anybody's reached the end of their development arc. Oh obviously. no, oh, I would hope not. Um, but but like Pearls, it, it, she definitely still seems like she is the most at the beginning of where her evolution needs to of go. Her journey, yeah. And even seeing all the ways that Garnet is Garnet has trouble and Garnet hurts. Yeah. Oof. Ruby and Sapphire are fantastic, by the yes, way. They, yes, they are. Oh, I, my gosh. Man. So I think our favorite episode is probably Jailbreak. Oh, just, oh that is that's so good. That's an easy choice. Yeah. 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 That's like cheating. I know, yeah. but... God, we watched that when they came out on TV. We actually watched it on cable at our aunt's house, and then we watched it. We had it recorded and watched it again. And then that night, I think we watched it like four or five more times. <laughs> and... Learned the lyrics. Sobbed. Sobbed. So much crying. Just yeah. hysterical. Like, <laughs> I like yeah. that, like, though the show uses musical numbers, it doesn't use them to an annoying way that I think a lot of Disney movies can. Like, yeah, I, 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 think... love, I love good musicals, and I feel like the fact that the show is also a really good musical that yeah. uses music smartly is amazing. Yeah, the songs don't feel forced. Yeah, they they just feel like a natural part of either like explaining a character arc in a way that is really classy or making a scene very, very, very cool and special with the uh, stronger than you uh, mm-hmm. bit that was in episode what was it twenty six? Stronger, it's... yeah. Oh yeah, stronger than you is um that pearl episode is the episode with um no stronger than you is the yeah stronger than you is the garnet episode the um. Uh, Forty nine. Strong, is... strong in the real way is the um, Pearl and oh. Sugalite song. Yeah, that is really, really cool. Uh, uh-huh. too. God, Sugalite, Nicki Minaj. Yep. Yeah, I kind of don't <laughs> like that they get celebrity voice actors for that stuff because then 
they don't they show up very appear. often. Exactly. Like they have a lot of fusions like, that appear and without having any voice acting. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't. Say. I didn't know that the fusions were celebrity voice actors. I didn't look it up. All I know about is Nicki Minaj's Sugalite. And you know, it makes it kind of helps dramatize why Amethyst would want to f- be fused with Garnet so badly because yeah. gets to turn into Nicki Minaj. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nicki Minaj is kind of rad. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I knew there was like that one song because you guys wouldn't stop talking yeah, people about would it. Not shut up about that song. But I, I was almost... not expecting as much music as there was. Like it really mm-hmm. kind of becomes a musical. It's like... like right out the gate. Mm-hmm. It's like the That's... very first thing that happens really? in the pilot is Steven oh. writing a Sings. song. Oh, yeah, the pilot. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, the pilot and... is so weird looking. Oh, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm. um, what is the first song? I think it's Giant Woman, right? Giant Woman. Oh, God, that's so good. That's so cute. Oh. Mm-hmm. Is, Are is... the songs usually about fusions? No. No, not don't... always. Um, but... I'll... But a lot of them seem to no, be. No, the first song it's... was about Cookie Cat. Let's yes. be honest here. <laughs> yeah, the first song was Cookie Cat, I meant. God. Uh, and all the background <laughs> music is... <laughs> I and saw also... this blog... Yeah? I saw this blog was speculating that, like, you guys, the Cookie Cat song is foreshadowing. It's all going to be about the gems, actually. Oh, God. Well, it's kind well, of correct. It is. I mean... They left the king. Yeah, well, yeah, the Cookie Cat song is about, um, yeah. But I, I'm not sure that they were thinking that far ahead yet. Maybe? It's hard to tell. It's hard I, to say with how... You never know. I believe it. <laughs> Man. Um, and and, what, and what, Rhett... What are episodes that stuck out for y'all? Oh, Jailbreak. Jail. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, what are non-jailbreak episodes that stuck out for y'all? Um, 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 um. Lapis. Any episode that features Lapis oh, is man. is an instant favorite. Um, uh-huh. I think that she is just so sweet and pulled into a thing that's just so much bigger than her that like you just want her to have a nice little home there with them. It's just mm-hmm. sad. It's really sad, you know. Just like she's yeah, she's she is such a sweet character, um, and you mm-hmm. ultimately want like everything good to just happen for her once. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the ways that she pushes away from Steven in the yeah, episodes. Yeah, it's really it's really sad. And but it's but really it, sad. It, but but it's, and real. Yeah. I really like the episode, the motel one. Oh yes. yes. Oh man. That's one of my favorites. Yes. Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah. The resolution to that was rough. And like dealing with that whole little arc there of, you know, like of dealing with trust and things like that and yeah, how she had let how she had let that whole episode get to her in such a way that, yeah, that was that. Yeah, we've become that cool. podcast <laughs> now. I also really like Peridot. Yeah, Peridot yeah. is really cool. I hope. I mean, I'm assuming that her stuff is going to go somewhere because it's getting a little old right now. The Runaway Act. Yeah, there, uh-huh. there needs to be definitely more development on her end of just like you know, like yeah. what's really going on here, like you know. Mm-hmm. This was the la- the la- most recent episode is the last one they could do before it becomes like Team Rocket style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've they've kind of got to start doing something. They need for... to resolve something there, but they stole her foot. So yeah, something. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like that she wasn't going to be able to grow that back. So that seemed like something significant. Got your nose. 
And I just thought that was also really funny because they had the thing where she ran away and then she was about to run away again and then they just grab her feet yeah. and they're all driving her down. Yeah, I thought they were, this is it, they're going to get her this time. Mm-hmm. And then, no, it's a cartoon. Yeah. It's a little but, she's so, but she's so like efficient and she's so effective for somebody who loses all the time. Yeah. Like, she, every one of her little moves, she just always has this trick up her sleeve. Yeah. yeah. She has a level of competence that yeah. not a whole lot of bad guys <laughs> cartoons has, have. Yeah, that's where she isn't the Team Rocket. She's got the cool hand thing going on. It's really Oh cool. my god, yeah. I want a hand that does that. Jasper's terrifying. Yes. Oh god. Whew. Whew. The little camp, the little brief appearance in the dream episode. Oh god. Ooh. Yeah. I really like the Stevani episode. Oh, that is so sweet. That's one of the ones that actually kind of avoids the whole um, conflict, rising action conflict resolution thing that Reed was talking about. It just yeah. kind of, it just kind of yeah. is lo- very low key all the way through mm-hmm. after that beginning. It also has the best line in the entire show at the end. Which was it? That's two kids. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, did he really just fucking say that? That's really good. That's really good. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah, that's we've we've bemoaned John talking about it on this podcast a lot, um, and on Twitter we've just been like, John, shut the fuck up. But um, we are converts, and we we can fully acknowledge that we are both, you know. Very on board with what the show's doing and very excited for the show to come back in September. And yep. very terrified at the thought of waiting months and years for these yeah. tiny little episodes. Yeah. Hey, you want to know which episode was the most recent one when Anna started? Anna and I started? What? Stevani. Really? Oh, wow. That's that pretty... was the most recent one. Every single one since we've waited for the... Oh my god. Episodes. Weekly episodes. Also the Stephen Bumps. Yeah. Where they drop five at once, which is nice. Yeah. Um, this it shows really special. It really is. It's it's doing things that I don't see a lot of Western um, cartoons do, um, mm-hmm. and it and it handles them with such grace, um, mm-hmm. and it, it manages to handle those things with grace while at the same time being a very cleverly and funnily written show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the comedy, like as innocent and cute as it is, it's genuinely funny. You know, it's not it's funny so- in a kiddie way. Mm-hmm. It feels inspired by anime in like a very non-surface level way. Like Avatar is like a really good, cool Star Wars show with this cool aesthetic. Yeah, but it's anime. anime inspired in a very like superficial. Yeah, this this is like takes straight up thematic cues from stuff like Revolutionary Girl, Utna, or Evangelion. And it goes way beyond just like references. Yeah, it, it also you know, takes cues operates from. Operates on the same level. It, it also takes cues from Revolutionary Girl Utena as well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Dragon Ball Z. And Dragon Ball Z. And, and Dragon Ball Z. It takes Dragon Ball Z and all these little surface level things from Dragon Ball Z and spins it towards character. So stuff like fusion becomes really meaningful. Um, and yeah. like the fight with. The fights with like Garnet and Jasper mm-hmm. is such a Dragon Ball Z fight. It's such yeah. a Dragon Ball Z fight, but it's spun together with this character, meaningful character conflict and a song that kicks ass. Yeah, that's also <laughs> Garnet's first song in the show, I think. Yeah, I believe so. She is actually a singer too. She's like and she's a, played by a professional yeah. singer. Yeah, she's played by a professional singers from Britain, I believe. 
cool. I had it's trouble. Like, I've had trouble because it felt like 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 when the show started out, they were trying to like figure out what kind of accent they wanted her to have, uh-huh. and, it, and it kept changing a bit from episode to episode. <laughs> so it's just like, what are you supposed to be like? What like what, what am I supposed to be hearing? And then they finally just went ahead and like I guess let her stick with her natural accent. Cool. Yeah, that I remember the um. The one where she gets addicted to the video game, I thought was really oh, that's funny. really good. Uh-huh. Meat beat got... mania. That's I not know. a children's joke. I don't get away with that shit. <laughs> She's such an adult. She's the adult of the of the family, basically. And then she just I gets mean... addicted to the video game and gets and pulls away from all her responsibilities for a, for two days. Uh, <laughs> regarding favorite episodes, I thought of two more. The yeah. first one would be mm. the big onion episode <laughs> where he steals the guy and then clones the guy <laughs> and keeps cloning the guy. <laughs> I guess so people were talking about cat fingers being this big Akira reference episode. Yeah, but I think I think it's the onion one is also a giant Akira reference. I can see that. Cuz this... he's like standing on this mountain of guys yeah. and he's got his cape flowing in the wind. And Steven <laughs> runs up to him and is like, Onion! <laughs> yeah. Guys under and, your supervision. <laughs> and there's also like a shot where he's just riding a motorcycle and then explodes and there's fire. And I'm like, this is referencing something. <laughs> uh, other favorite episode is obviously the Uncle Grandpa one. <laughs> <laughs> Miserable. I think that's the only one we watched only once. Yeah. yeah. So what did you think of that one, Bali? Was not a fan. Yeah. Don't it, think they could have done much there. That... Yeah, it's like, I get that it's a network thing and they were doing a big crossover thing, but it's just, it's not a show that really crosses over well yeah. with anything else on Cartoon Network, honestly. This didn't really make sense. Hmm. I think I actually only watched, like, half of that episode and was just like, yeah, well, this isn't working. Yeah, the rest of it, they go into the Uncle Grandpa universe. No. So, <laughs> worry. That that episode has one good line though, where Lars and Sadie are on a boat and they go, "You sunk our ship," as it sinks <laughs> into the ground. <sighs> yeah, oh my God. Uh, but yeah, Lars, Lars doesn't deserve Sadie. <laughs> I might agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, Sadie's not... cool though. Yeah. Um. It, I think in general, like, the show kind of keeps you wanting more of everything. Yeah. yeah. I think partially because of the episodes of show short, and because there's, like, so much ground it feels like they still have to cover. Mm-hmm. Where, like, right now I'm like, I want more Peridot, I want more Lapis. Jasper. I, Lasper. I, want, I, don't, I don't really want more Jasper. <laughs> I, wa- yeah. I want more flashback episodes, though. Okay. Yes. Like, yes. I, I, I love the bits with Rose. Oh, the God. Rose Need more Rose. Videotape, oh, man. The videotape. That Ooh. just... Oh, that'll crush you. Uh, that's the one that... That's the episode that got nominated for the Emmy. That's not surprising, because that... Yep. That's... Whew, that episode has all the so, feelings right there. Yep. That was definitely one where I'm like, okay, this is something special. Yeah, they're... Yeah. And, and it's a Cowboy Bebop reference. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steven finds a tape, and it turns out it's a beta, and he doesn't know what that is. <laughs> Forgot that bit of Cowboy Bebop. I only watched that show once. The other thing I was going to say is, I think it's interesting how Steven uses a bunch of old technology, like the VHS tapes, the N64, yeah. and like the CRT TVs. And it's kind of interesting, because that kind of coincides with how the gems 
have technology that's thousands of years old. Yeah. And their big fright when Lapis, or not Lapis, when Peridot showed up was that she's got all this new technology. We're going to get annihilated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of these themes of new technology superseding the old. Mm-hmm. Well, the they, show, it just functions on levels, yeah. doesn't it? I know. Yeah. No, I think but, the I like the 11-minute episodes because every episode is so, like, concise. Um, like that... Like, I remember the Steven and the Stevens episode where he creates all the clones for himself. Yeah. And then kills all of them. And then kills them. Oh, my them. God. <laughs> but it's like... Watermelon it's like, Steven. Uh, yeah. Oh, like my best, God. Steven and the Stevens is like the best Doctor Who episode ever in like 11 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. It's, it's almost like every... Epi- and then all the feelings ones. It's like every episode is the first eight minutes of Up. Where it's just shoving all this story into so little time and making yeah. it people earned anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember just the number of details in, like, the last five minutes of um, uh, Jailbreak. It's just... It's so full. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, the, the, good like, thing about, the good thing about their format is that they do make every minute count. Mm-hmm. I think Jailbreak was one episode, though, where it felt a little too rushed. Like, they were really moving. Yeah. Like maybe, yeah. I like, like, the, I like the uh, snow. I like the snowstorm episode as well. Um, yeah. Oh man, Future Vision. I think that one was called. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that one was really good. Well, that's what it oh. was about. Wait, the so- the snowstorm or the this? Yeah, yeah, that was it. It was the one where um, yeah, where Steven gets a bit of the Future Vision. That was really good. Yeah. And also which the episode was- where Future Vision is introduced, which seemed kind of like the pilot episode. Yeah, like, that's why I liked it. Because I thought like the pilot episode had a really cool little gimmick. It's yeah, yeah. it's about how Garnet trusts him yeah. more, and that was really adorable. Or like the 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 one episode that focused on Garnet and what Stephen like he was like supposed to tell her what he thought she got up to that day. That one was so stupid. It was. I love that one. It was, it was stupid, so good, but it was really good. Uh huh. In like a perfect way in the show. Yeah. And. And then it just worked on, like, it. that was another one where, like, that the Stephen and the Stevens was, like, a Doctor Who episode stuffed into 11 minutes. That one was, like, the entire arc of Gurren Lagan. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um, I kind of... With the big, with the giant fists at the end. And <laughs> taking off the hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. <laughs> that's that a Dragon Ball Z thing. Yeah, that's literally straight out of Dragon Ball Z. Uh, yeah. Except for hair instead of... <laughs> yeah, with Piccolo, it was like his shoulder cape. Yeah. Oh. oh my god. So yeah, we're that podcast now. Oh, so great. get get used to it, folks. <laughs> I want the series to end with a big movie. Yeah, I think and it has to. Have oh, it blow it out with like 80s musical numbers. Yes! They go to the gem homeworld, and it turns out the gem homeworld is a giant gem. Yeah. <laughs> it's sentient, and then Optimus Prime dies. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, just just, and they're renewed for a third season. I just found out. I found that out talking to Reed. Yeah, yeah, they got renewed because we didn't know for a little bit if if the, if we were gonna get enough of the show. And now there's, I there mean, will with never just, be enough. With just with my my thinking was all right. As long as we get a second season, then that's as much Steven Universe as there is Full Metal Alchemist. And it's like okay, maybe I can be content with that. But now it's like no. For the, I'm going to get to be dying 
in anticipation of these episodes for like two or three or four or more years. Oh God, don't say so. it like that, dude. We did Lost. We can do this. I oh. didn't do Lost. Oh, that's right. You caught up like the last season, didn't you? I marathoned Lost like right before season six started, and then I marathoned Breaking Bad right before the finale. Oh my God. <laughs> I am not on these trains not usually. Not prepared for this. Not prepared for this. No, I think I think that's an okay way to do it. But yeah, this this has been the first real show I've followed like this. So yeah, like I still haven't finished Yuri Kuma. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I still haven't finished Space Dandy. <laughs> I saw that folder sitting there. It's like, yep, still two episodes left. I'll just watch some Steven Universe. <laughs> yeah, I watched all of Steven Universe in between a single episode of Space Dandy. <laughs> So if my terrible taste hasn't driven people away from this podcast, my terrible taste in music hasn't driven people away from this podcast, you know, at least all of the Steven Universe might. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if Sayara is listening, you know what you have to do. Yeah, you're, you're kind of on the train now, bucko. <laughs> and then he's going to start doing album covers based on that. Yep. Great. Oh, my God, Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. Socks cast album covers. This one is Castlevania. <laughs> yep. Cool. Steven Universe is great. Everyone should watch it. It's Absolutely. really good. Absolutely. Maybe watch Utena too. Utena. Yeah, <laughs> you can watch Utena and you can also watch Utena. Yeah, watch Utena. It's nah, you don't need to do that. No, All it's right. really good though. Right, right. Anna? A- Anna. I okay. actually really liked it. There we go. I enjoyed it. And a lot. There you go. All right. So I guess we're going to go ahead and move on oh. to the best part of the podcast. Let's the shortest part. The shortest part. Rhett, how's early access doing? It's doing. It's doing? All right. Do we have any news? Yes, the biggest news. Oh? Uh, for Neptunia VII, this Victory 2, mm-hmm. they released that stupid fish thing that Ashley loves as a DLC <laughs> playable character. <laughs> so you can buy him and add him to your party now. He's a big, stupid, dumb-looking <laughs> fish. He has this, like, super deep manly voice, too. He's like, Dolkana. And he's a fish. And he's shooting lasers. (laughs) It's so stupid. Any other news? Uh, Remember, we were talking about Red Ash and Mighty Number 9 last week? Oh, yeah, that big Inafune watch we did. Uh, We're getting a Pulitzer for that, by the way. Cool. Uh, Turns out Mighty Number 9 is delayed. Shock and awe! (sighs) They had all these rumors going, and they had, they like, four moderators them. being like, no, nah, no, nah, we're good. And then after the fucking Red Ash Kickstarter failed, which was obviously going to fail anyways, then they were finally like, oh, yeah, it's delayed, like, half a year to next year. Because, uh. of, because of bugs in the online gameplay portion, which is like, who gives a fuck? Who is playing Mighty Number no. 9 for anything online-related? Most people Ooh. think it's actually that they failed cert. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they failed cert. And then they didn't want to re- release in, like, November yeah. against everything else. Yeah. So they're just like, fuck it, next year. That sounds more likely to me. Which is a pretty shitty thing to do to a Kickstarter game when you have people that already paid for it waiting. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> oh, is that all the news we got? 
I thought there was another news story, but I forget, so yeah. Who cares? Uh, do we have any questions from the old podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net or uh, from the old Twitter box at SMPS underscore updates? We yeah. do. All right, hit me. This one, first one comes in from Tengu Gemini. Uh, do any of you have experience with the Gomon series? Legend of the Mystical Ninja starring Goemon is, for the N64, is a very important game for me, and I greatly enjoy the Super Famicom games. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what is maybe my favorite series from Konami. I like the Super Famicom games. I have, I believe I actually own the N64 game, but I have not finished it. I've, pl- I've played it enough to know that I like it, but I, I never think, cool. finished it. There's actually two N64 games. Oh, is there? How yeah. do those games play exactly? They're kind of like... I, they're they're weird. Yeah, they're, they don't um, stick to one kind of play style. Gotcha. Um, like, they're, on my, Legend, they're on my list. Legend. Legend Fresno of the buys a lot of them. Sorry, Sorry you go uh, ahead. Legend of the Mystical Ninja is a game I really wish I could kind of just sit down and play because it seems like a really special game. Because yeah. it's got like RPG elements kind of and a big, not overworld, but like kind of top-down brawler action map. But then there's like arcades you can go into mm-hmm. and actually play <laughs> Gradius. Yeah. Like solve puzzles to kind of open up the next area. And then there's this straight-up side, side-scrolling areas that are really difficult which is oh, why yeah. i haven't finished that game yeah they are intense but it, it that mm-hmm. game seems like it's really good mm-hmm. and the first n64 game mystical ninja starring going on is one of my favorite games ever yeah i think that's that was the one i have yeah that cool. was like number 12 on my gen 5 list like that game's awesome it's yeah. kind of it's kind of a zelda-ish yeah cool yeah, what a weird, cool suit. I I had played Super Ninja Boy for the Super Nintendo as a kid, and I was like, was that a Goemon game without me realizing uh, it? I don't. And apparently that game's really bad, and I haven't oh. played it. <laughs> I haven't played it since then as a kid, and that's not a Goemon game. So. Oh, okay. Good right. to know. Yeah. Whatever, whatever happened in that series? Konami happened. Yeah. yeah. Were there any after the N64, though? I don't think so, no. Jeez. Because that series game seemed cool, and it seemed like it had a future, and then whoop, Konami. Yeah, because <laughs> I think oh. it's either started in the arcade or in the NES. But yeah. I think Mystical Ninja was the first and only one we got until N sixty four. Yeah. Okay. I'll go ahead and add that. I'm gonna go ahead and add that to my uh, games to play. <laughs> you list. should. You should. <laughs> cool. Just start uh, with uh, the Super Famicom game or the N sixty four one. Super Famicom game first, I would say. Cool. Radical sabbatical. Okay, and then from the Twitter box, we had a bunch of stupid questions, so I may skip a few. I think, like, 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 you know, like, I just want to say, like, you know, we're fine with you guys having fun and all, but like, come on, like, put put some effort into your questions. Sayara asks, "What is a podcast?" Um, I I don't know. Miserable. Well, I think that this is what we're going. Good joke. Yeah, I think that's what he was going for with that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, anyway, I can't think of a good actual joke for it. So, <laughs> Poncho Smith asks, "What's the best thing you ever ate?" Hold on, I've got this one covered, guys. I'm gonna answer for all three of us. Okay, are you ready? <clears throat> I've got it. I've got it. Ready? Pussy. Ha! There you go. That's podcast, right? That's not say. my answer. What? What? So I'm gonna say pizza. I like pizza. I was gonna say the steak that we made with. Um, <laughs> That I made with Anna once. That was mm. the most delicious thing ever. 
But I think I'm going to go with Polly's answer. Yeah, my answer is way better. Yeah, yeah it is. Steak's really good, though. Yeah, like, steak is good. In, I love the- me a good steak. But if you put a, but... nice, put a nice wet pussy in front of me, <laughs> I'm going to go to town on that thing. Dead silence. <laughs> okay, next question. Can John sing us a lovely rendition of I Am The Wind? I don't know that song well enough. I listened to it once. Anna and I, um, Anna was listening to me finish Symphony of the Night and laughing at the voice acting. And then that song came and then she kind of looked over at me and went, John, I'm judging you, which she's done very few times, but only when I'm indulging in like the most embarrassing kinds of media. So like Neptunia, like Neptunia. (laughs) So I am the wind. Her specific words were, this is like somebody is singing a really shitty cover of the Titanic theme. (laughs) (laughs) And I listened to the Japanese song, and it's so much better. And I was listening to Jetstorm on Twitter being like, I I think I Am The Wind is great. And then some guy on YouTube was like, if you don't like I Am The Wind, then you just don't see the true spirit of Symphony of the Night. And I'm like, I guess I don't. John, oh. John, John's like, you know what? I'm usually full of shit, but you are so full of shit right now. I am usually full of shit, but you're so full of shit. <laughs> okay, I'm like, what is this song? And then he said symphony. It's like, oh, okay. It's the it's it's the added they added it to the American release yeah. instead of a a different song. Yeah, weird. I think because it had Japanese lyrics, mm-hmm. so it's like if they kind of like if they changed out the ending theme for, of Chrono Cross for My Heart Will Go On. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, and then Jetstorm4 asks how do you feel about JRPGs you can play with one hand pretty rad right oh yeah I didn't even think of that but that is a, that is a sex joke <laughs> I thought it was, I was a just sex like, joke yes yes I don't think he meant it as a sex joke I that just, might have been an accident I only play Neptunia with one hand you know what but I'm then saying since- He's the JRPG guy, so maybe he's being totally serious. I think he's being serious. He's like, because like he was said on Twitter, like I love how you can play Saga Frontier with one hand. It's so convenient. Uh, I can drink- and uh, Dragon Quest Eight easily played with one hand. Earthbound. Um, there are a lot of them that can be played with yeah. one hand. Yeah, obviously it's good. It makes things more accessible for yeah. people who only have one hand. Uh, like, yeah, that's amazing. I've never even thought to try that. Yeah. It's so nice, and it's it's convenient for people with two hands, but it's just a nice accessibility thing. <laughs> oh, because... it is really convenient with people with two hands, let me tell you. <laughs> Rhett, why did you have to go turn this podcast raunchy? Oh, I don't know. Especially... That was that was all me, right? Yeah, like, what are you trying to do here? I know this. I know that the site's name is Socks Make People Sexy, but good lord, try to try to rein it in every oh. now and then, okay? Sorry, should be. Any more questions? Nah. All right. If you want to have your questions read here by these dumb people and hopefully answer them, uh, put some thought behind them next time. <laughs> uh, and send uh, either send one off to at, S- at, at SMPS underscore updates on Twitter or podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net. John Thire, where can we find you? FarawayTimes.com. Rat Thire, where can we find you? in 3.tumblr.com you can find me on my dumb website socksmakepeoplesexy.net and remember we're the podcast that loves you we're the only ones that love you bye bye